everybody, welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends getting better. This is a packed, gosh darn it, episode. You can't swear this early. Uh, hello everybody, I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava. That's me. We're joined by Kelsey Lewin. I, I didn't get the flashlight memo. What yeah, are, this is, is a this? good shtick. This does good. We're also joined by Kyle Hilliard. Kelsey, it's my Alan Wake bit. Is that I have a flashlight? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. And then everyone thought concert. Those, those who know know, you know. <laughs> yeah, Janet was on top of it. Because me, me and Kyle are a lot. We have the same affliction. Also, hello. <laughs> That's I'm why here. I turned hello. into an elephant right before this podcast. <laughs> I'm more excited to talk about Mario Wonder. That's right. And I'm gonna have a big spit bubble cut out of my mouth because we're talking about Alan Wake Two. We're talking about Super Mario Brothers <laughs> Wonder. Then we're swapping in some new folks. We're just adding to the pile of uh, people here on this podcast. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Marvel Spider Man Two. Once more ben, for the people ben, who haven't talked ben, about it. You didn't introduce everybody. Did you mean to do that? We got well. Janet introduced herself, kind of. Yeah, think we hit it I didn't all. say my name because I thought that would be weird. Oh, I'm Janet. Janet. Uh, <laughs> this is Janet Garcia. Janet, what's your middle name, Janet? I don't have a middle name. Ah, stylish. Oh, you can make it whatever you want. That's right. It's free. Just, yeah, yeah, free space. Yeah, no yeah, face. Just, but I mean, you don't have to pay to get a new one, so you just make it like danger or business or something cool. Mm. You know? Business is cool. Hey, everybody. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Jeff Marquefava's here. Did you, you did not what, introduce what, Jeff Marquefava. Yes, I did. No, I was he was the first, the first one. one. Kyle, why are you What are you doing? doing? This, this is a bad podcast know. now. I'm sorry. Uh, we're also going to be talking about City Skylines 2. And Kelsey Lewin's here, everybody. You already introduced me. <laughs> I know. Now I'm just sabotaging the mic. <laughs> oh, I'm here, too. What if we just kept <laughs> introducing each other for the next, I mean, like, 30 minutes? New show plus. Ben Hansen. Oh, hello. I'm here, too. We're also joined by Jack. Uh, middle name, Box Party Pack, last name 10. We're going to be talking about him later on in this episode. Hell then yeah. Leo wants to talk about uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the entire series. And we said, yay. <laughs> yay, that sounds good. Uh, and then back after the show, we have some great community questions people submitted over there on Patreon. Uh, okay. So many angles. So many possibilities for this episode. First things first. Alan Wake 2. It is out on Friday. Every preview for this game has been people saying um, it is real goatee contender. People are red hot on it. Now, full disclosure, uh, only Kyle and Janet have been playing it so far, and neither of you all have finished it around halfway through. Is that where you're at roughly here? I'm halfway. I think halfway. I'm, I think I'm Yeah, Kyle's definitely further than halfway. He's probably like... Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those games where characters are now saying like, "We can end this now." And at the point I'm at, I'm like, <laughs> classic. I'm like, I don't. Sto- yep. I yeah, it's it. like I don't know what that means really. This feels like a false ending, but I'm getting See, there. I'm getting there. I, I'm where it's like I still have time to end this. Like that's where I'm at. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. I'm like I'm not that far into the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the game is okay. I've been, I've been dreading this conversation a little ooh, bit because I have ooh, not I really ha, I haven't sort of cemented my thoughts they're still floating around as you stated I haven't finished the game floaty early but I, 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 I've, I've been a bit underwhelmed I, I'm oh, somewhat wow. disappointed yeah. ooh. okay Janet where yeah. are you coming in so far here I'm coming in definitely a bit hotter than Kyle but I totally agree with the lightly drain the conversation because I, I don't know really where I stand fully okay. yet. Um, I think I do think it's a great game. So that's that's one spot I can like pretty comfortably plant my flag in personally. Like, I think it's a great video game. Um, I think it is 
it's really novel, and I think that's probably the secret sauce is really the weirdness that is Remedy. Um, without spoilers, like I hit a part in the game last night where I was like grinning ear to ear. I'm like, this is so out there and and funny and strange and cool. I think Kyle knows what I'm talking about. I know exactly, uh, yes. and it's one of my right. favorite moments of the yes. year, which is and, like yes, and the, which and is I where think, I'm at with this game. You know, it's absolutely. Up and down. I think there's going to be a lot of. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of love for the game in how um, bizarre and funky and interesting it is. But I think where the game sort of underwhelms me is in the core mechanics. Like the act of exploring and fighting is not as good as I've experienced in other similar games. Control. But the wrapping is. So, yeah. Oh, oh, no, it's not. I don't think it's as good as control. But okay. like but they're also really different style of style of games. Um. But even when I think of like exploring in like a Resident Evil or whatever, like I'm like, you know, putting things together isn't really that actually intriguing. But the the ride it takes you on is like a really compelling Netflix show. And that is kind of what hooks me in. But Kyle, where do you kind of land on the what 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 aspect is sort of not quite delivering for you? Because it just seemed like you're. Also yeah. intrigued by the funkiness of it. The weirdness, the remedy weirdness that they've like almost patented at this point is the part yeah. that I love. And it's just so strange often. But you're but the thing is, is like there are the, there are ways that the story is being told that sort of rub me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And like when you're playing as Alan, like a big part of the game is like you don't know what's going on. And sometimes this door goes somewhere else. And it like which is. It, it 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 there's a there's a really difficult line to walk there of like this is cool and interesting and I'm and I'm all out of whack and I don't know what's going on and the and being in a video game being like I don't know what's going on and, and it's frustrating and I don't know where to go and things aren't working and I and I'm stuck on this puzzle way longer than I need to be and it's also a game and this is like a video game thing this is not a, like a remedy thing or an Alan Wake thing but it is like the king of like. Oh, I got to go to get to this door. Oh, I walk up to the door and the power's out. Okay, now I got to go down to the basement and I got to find a generator. Oh, well, now I have to find a fuse for the generator. I've so- found so many freaking fuses. Right. It's just like, it, it, it's like the thing that you need is right there in front of you and all the obstacles mm-hmm. that are in the way feel arbitrary. Yeah. And it's like, and a lot of video games do that and the trick is like doing it and still being compelling and Alan Wake, I think, is falling short in a lot of those instances. That's interesting. And just to be clear, you know, setting the table, like you're, you're a big fan of that first one. You really loved it, I, but it's been yeah, a long time. I love the original, and uh, yeah, and like one of the things I, which I know Janet is not as much a fan of this, but like I really mm-hmm. like the combat in the original Alan Wake, and like the flashlight gun combat, and like another thing about Alan Wake too is like you're not really encouraged to engage in the combat a lot. There's not really a lot of incentive for firing off your gun. Like yeah. you're you're better suited just kind of running and the game is structured in such a way that it allows you to do that, which I think was a mistake. So more, I, I, just, I am not, in, I like the combat, but I'm just not engaging with it as much as I want to even. So it's more RE2 remake than RE4. Is that a weird? Uh, y- yes. I, 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 they take a, they, they take a lot of lessons from resident evil. Um, a lot of lessons. It's closer to resident evil two than I expected, but I, I, I think they're, they're just not as executed as well as resident evil two okay. uh, mechanically. But then there's like, like I, the, the weird stuff is so good. Like we can't like explain it because it would be a spoiler, yeah. but like the live action stuff and the CGI stuff and the weird stuff that happens and like, and uh, the sort of uh, self-referential stuff and, and like the larger canon of Alan yeah. Wake is all fun and cool. And the game looks great. Uh, that's another thing to point out. Yeah. Um, 
when it works, that's the other thing that I've been running into is a mm. lot of bugs, like to the point of like having to load old checkpoints and, and close the game and reset it Ooh, and, like, on PS5. PS5 is what okay. I'm playing. I'm also on. playing yeah. on PS5. I haven't hit as many technical walls as I think you have, Kyle, but you've also played a lot more. Mm. Um, I've hit a couple, though, like one where like the frame rate dropped really low for a hot second. I'm playing in performance mode. I don't know if that makes a difference. Maybe you're in quality um like no, or one favors yeah, yeah. um so that, that's that been fine for me but you know that mileage will vary i could just yeah. be the exception and for mm. all i know everyone's gonna say that they had like a lot of bugs um but, but the, like the thing that it's tough because it, there's like honestly like a crash like whatever i can deal with that sure. if the checkpoint's fine I, that doesn't really bug me but the thing that i'm running into is like i'll be like looking through a menu with saga and like putting things on the wall and like all of a sudden I can't exit that menu. Yes, yeah, so that happened can't. to me too. I had like, I probably hit that like at least three different times of like yeah. like I went to like travel somewhere and the screen's like just dark and I'm like, I think the game broke. And then I yeah. have to like close it out. Yeah. Um yeah, nothing that impeded like progress, but it a couple of scary moments. I think for the combat for me, um yeah, I mean you can avoid it. I'm 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 unloading that clip all the time, Kyle. Like I don't know about you. Like I I get that you can just like walk around like the shadowy people because again it's in that vein of if you are all familiar with Alan Wake, it's like that's kind of how it works. Like you use the flashlight, you can kind of expose them or stun them and then shoot them. Um, yeah, like I'm unloading like all my clips. Um, I re- one thing I really want to compliment about the game and probably my favorite thing outside of just the funky rapping and story is the. Um, and this might be like more of a video game preference thing, but I love the upgrade system in this game. Um, I'm a big fan of when exploration leads to um, mechanical upgrades and not just like more lore. Like sure. I like lore, but like lore is not going to pay the bills. You yeah, know they, what I mean? Like, no let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get a little bit um, beefed up. And even though it's not like, I don't know, a super combat focused game, like you can, um, you know, find these collectibles and then upgrade like your either your weapon or as Alan, you can upgrade sort of your I don't know, inherent, like, it, his things are, is, like, words of, like, power or words of, like, gun or words of whatever, and it's it's all related to, like, something. Like, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your clip, maybe it's, like, you know, how much um, health you restore in, like, a safe space or whatever, um, and you get that by, like, finding these little collectibles in the world. And one really nice touch, like, I think this game is full of, everything is so, like, narratively well thought out, like, even down to when you're a saga and you get an upgrade, like um, you, maybe you're like the shotguns reload twice as fast. Alan writes that into the story and like narrates over it. He's like, suddenly oh, Saga awesome. was loading her clip faster than ever before. And <laughs> stuff like that uh, is As his editor, really I might cool. be like, this seems unnecessary to include in the book. But what am I? I don't know anything about writing. I'm still sort of it's all swirling around in my head. I, I was I'm I'm I was like genuinely like nervous to talk about it today because like I'm yeah. not sure where I land yet because okay. I'm still working on the game but like I've had a lot of moments of just being like I, this is not working for me and that, and that makes me sad yeah. oh god I have a question for you Kyle how do you feel about the um, like the inherent detective mystery nature of the game especially from like a mechanical perspective <sighs> so a big thing that Saga does, which, by the way, Saga is like the the the, the big highlight for me. I really prefer playing as Saga, which okay. again is something else that surprised me. A little more straightforward, even like. Yeah, it's definitely even, like less. <laughs> yeah, but at like least in her the beginning. I don't know if something it, else happens. <laughs> it's a weird fantasy setting. I totally acknowledge that, 
But like one of the ways that Saga like solves like the mysteries, so to speak, is she just sort of sits and thinks to herself for a few minutes and like suddenly she knows things inexplicably. And like I acknowledge it's like, oh, that's that's this is the world that it's in. She has this weird power. There's even context for why she can do that. But as like the person, you know, uh, enjoying the story, it's really unsatisfying for someone to just be like, hmm, I met these people. You know what? I bet they have something. And then you are like, they have evidence they're withholding from me. And then she confronts them like, you have evidence. And they're like, I do. It's like, <laughs> I do. Saga, you got how me, did Saga. You, how I did do. You, okay. you, just, you just know that all of a sudden? <laughs> like, yes. Like, so like I had the same, like, my light leading question. I had the same thing where I, and again, I'm, you're further than me. Maybe they do contextualize it further into the game. But I'm also for context, too. I'm about halfway through when you count out like the trophy list missions okay. um and i'm 10 hours in i'm playing pretty slowly because i really want to get like as many of the collectibles and things as i can and like do all the optional stuff um but yeah like the it's the interrogation system which if you've heard the previews you you know you're also familiar with where you can get like these pictures of you go to the mind place which is kind of like a little cabin in her mind and you can look at a photograph and you'll get at different points different like keywords will pop up it'll be something like ben podcast and then it's like oh yeah you can now ask ben about the podcast because maybe you opened up that dialogue line these are all things that are very explicitly telegraphed to you like you always know when you when there's a new thing to look at in your mind palace like an icon pops up in the bottom left corner like it's very clear but yeah i'm i'm with you kyle the the and obviously it's like suspension of disbelief video game stuff but i feel like it's the only thing that's not doesn't really feel like it makes sense in the world. Like I get that, like that's just what they did for the game, but it's very, it is very, yeah. Like somehow it's like, Oh, I just, I just know this. It's like, I'm not going to tell you. Let me ask them again. 74. I think it happened in 74. And it's just, it's very like, like answers whispered in your ear in an artsy way. But then when you come back to life, it's very like, it's so down to earth that it's, like kind I, of I dull almost. Huh. I buy it in the context of the world. I don't. I don't see it as like this is this is bad writing. I don't. I don't feel mm-hmm. like it's like that. I, like I said, like it. I'll buy all into that suspension of disbelief. I'm just saying, like as a person who enjoys a good murder yeah. mystery, like it's just not satisfying for someone to just know things. One thing that's a challenge here. I was like talking about this last night when I was sort of trying to think through my thoughts. Like after having spent you know two days with the game, um, it's tough because. They want to make it, which I think they pick, pick the right choice here, but I think in any video game, I've played a lot of games that have you gathering clues and solving a mystery, and almost none of those games actually let you gather the clues and solve the mystery. It is like, you know, you gather it, but they kind of put it together for you. Um, even like playing, um, you know, like way back in the day, I did a, um, a one that I can disclose, a mockery review for Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1, and that was very much a mystery game, but it was like, mm, you kind of... They kind of let you put together yourself, but they don't really let you, like, leave until you really get the right answer. So, like, you know, Um, and and this is somewhat similar where you're gathering the clues. And again, we talked about this during the preview cycle where, like, you place them where they go and, like, you kind of have to. And, like, I don't even really read the clues, if I'm being honest. I just kind of place them naturally where I kind of glance at, okay, this is related to this and I'll plop it somewhere on the board. Um, So all the deduction is done for you. But if they didn't do that. I feel like the game would be mad hard. So like, I understand I, I agree with what they did, but I do think that in a sense you are more along for the ride than you are like oh, no. a more inherent active participant. I think the only game that ever pulled off deduction that made 
sense was Outer Wilds. And even that game was like a little mm. too hard for me to begin with. Mm. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't got the big brain for it. I know like people like Sarah, like stand that game. <laughs> and the, the further I get from that game, the more I respect what it did because of how hard what it set out to achieve was. But yeah. that's just something I want to like toss out there. Cause I feel like that is inherently the, it is a detective mystery. Right. Game, it's the core idea. Not really. You know, you're like, you're doing it, but you're not really fully doing it, which totally. I think is fine, but it's something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my my only perception of this game, other than the previews, was Jacob Geller, who's also playing it. Uh, mm. He just jumped in Slack and said, oh, boy, did the community choose the right game for the deepest dive. Like, oh, this is going to be such an interesting one to talk about in a really thorough way. Which I, I think he's right. Okay, yeah, there, there's a lot to talk about. In yeah, the game. all right. And like, and like I and like we said earlier, like Jana was referencing a specific moment. It was like this colossal high for me, where I was like, "This is incredible!" Like, yeah. I, 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 this kind of, I hope there's more stuff like this in the game, and it's there's going to be great talking points. Yeah, but I think it, the big sort of drawback for me is like um, on a mechanical level is where I'm sort of, I'm, I'm fighting, like literally okay. sometimes fighting with it so much where I'm like. It's also a lot of like I need three numbers. Let me look around the environment and find three numbers. Okay. okay. <laughs> See, I like. Okay, that, that's the thing, and I and I, I agree with you because you're you are right. It is that, and it's like yeah. I, the thing I told um, my partner was this is the kind of game like as as far as the low level puzzles. So there's like obviously overarching stuff of like we have to find out who did this or like investigate this area. But there's also you know the classic. There's a lockbox and there's three numbers near you, like Kyle mentioned, yep, to open okay. it. Or sometimes a key or like whatever, right? And then Got there's also it. like little optional puzzles where it's like you can come across here's this a, and here's solve a solution it. to one that my wife helped me solve. Come on, Kyle, Ooh. put that on the screen. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> this one the end of the game is just written on there. Um I, no, I, I, and, do, I, I those I, I like I like because they are they I, I have like a love hate relationship with them because they're repeated a lot, but they are yeah. all pretty interesting and unique yes. and like and are and are more than like someone scrawled letters and blood on the wall and yeah. you just come across them. They're more uh, complicated than that yes. in a positive way. Sure, sure. And the the thing I was going to mention was um, it's sort of I I really like those puzzles because like it. So if you're t- if you're like a little too smart, you'd be like this is okay. Come on, man. It's like the four on the tree. And like, I am smart enough to find the four on the tree, but only barely. And that's what I like personally, <laughs> where I love that. Like, yup. Mm-hmm. Is it this? Okay. It, like, it, t- it takes me like a tiny bit to solve some of them. And I really like that. That's like a game obsession. I have the, like the, like saga wandering the woods, looking for what is literally like a lunchbox collectible is one of the collectibles. Like I live for that. Like it's funny because it doesn't look like interesting gameplay. It's literally like my partner will walk by and I'm playing the game and I'm in the same woods and I'm like slowly combing the edges of them, like opening the map. Really, but I really like that. So there definitely is similar to how I feel about a lot of Resident Evil games because you know this is still inherently survival horror. There is a like a coziness to it and like a, huh. a cool like repetitive exploration to it and i do think for better or worse they because the combat isn't like so in your face all the time it does allow you really to take your time and explore and spend time like you're not constantly waiting like something's not going to constantly jump out at you it's like actually kind of rare to be in a more heated combat area so you you do have the freedom to really like take your time with the environment and i think like a lot of their titles, and by a lot, I mean just Control, because it's the only other one I played. Uh, Remedy does a really good job, like, committing to creating, I think, really affecting and detailed environments. And also, like, unrelated shots of the sound team for this game, besides mm. the music thing that, you know, I was alluding to before. Like, there's some really incredible sound design, and in general, horror lives on sound design. But there's 
really, really great. Like I went to this one sequence while I was walking through like a train cart and there was like all these guttural, just like really graphic screams. And like my partner was in the kitchen, like, oh my God, like what's going on? I'm like, they really, and, and nothing's really happening on screen. It's kind of like a weird, like mind bendy thing, but like they really do some great things, I think, with the sound um, okay. in this game. So I, I always just want to compliment that. Like, I'm always like, keeping an eye out for that um, sure. throughout the year as I play things, and I think they do a great job. Uh, Alan Wake 2, everybody, we are doing the deepest dive into this experience. Uh, we'll let everybody else finish it, coalesce their thoughts a little bit more for how this thing is, is shaping up overall, but we're going to be talking about this game in the best, most thorough way possible. Uh, if you're looking for a thorough game club format for Alan Wake 2, please join us. Uh, if you jump in on Patreon at the $2 tier, patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, you can submit comments that we'll read during our discussion. If you jump in at the $5 tier, you unlock the podcast version of these huge discussions. Otherwise, they'll be up on YouTube for everybody if you want to check that out. But it's going to be myself, Jeff Marquefava. How you feeling, dude? Uh, I'm... Possibly even more excited now. Knowing that it's like an uneven, weird thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. And also, it, it's not a 100-hour game, which I desperately need more oh, of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yet, yeah. to be clear. Uh, <laughs> I, it, I guess true. technically. Can you imagine, Question like, the last mark? three chapters or eight hours? <laughs> uh, so it's going to be more, man. Now, <laughs> <in other> <laughs> game. <laughs> 50 hours. So, oh Jeff, it's going to be Sarah Pazorski. It's going to be Haley McLean, who's coming in red hot in the Alan Wake franchise. And Leo I can't Vader. wait for Haley to do this. I know. I think it's going to be fun. Hey, uh, you guys have all played Control, right, everyone? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. In fact, actually, uh, this Thursday, Haley and Leo are going to be yeah. streaming the Control DLC okay. that ties into Alan Wake, and that'll be up on MinMax's YouTube channel if you want a recap of that uh, before you jump yeah. into this thing. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, if you want to help support MinMax on Patreon and Independent Games Media, we just hit our fourth anniversary thanks to everybody's support, but we have an extra incentive for you if you want to jump in even at that $2 tier to help support uh, the game club, The Deepest Dive for Alan Wake 2, where if you support us on Patreon now through Wednesday, November 1st, Wednesday, November 1st, if you jump in even at that $2 tier on Patreon, we will send you a free Steam code for Oxenfree 2. Which, thematically, spooky game, narrative-heavy game, fits perfectly with Alan Wake 2. So if you jump in, support The Deepest Dive, or support Mimnax on Patreon in general, before or on November 1st, I will just send you a code for Oxenfree 2 on Steam. So special shout-out to that team for making that possible. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, let's tackle Alan Wake 2 with The Deepest Dive, everybody! Uh, Hey, just for uh, another game where sound design is incredibly important... Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, everybody. Wonder! Uh, have we all been playing this thing? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Kelsey, how much have you played? We didn't even talk about it, even though uh, I just Jeff saw you in Seattle. Frozen? Less, less than I have wanted to at this point. I'm only through two castles. Okay. Um, but, like, I'm really, really enjoying it and just trying to squeeze it in as much as I can. Nice. Yes, I also just finished the second castle. So this is also a take for me that's pretty early. But yeah, Jeff, you've been playing this too, right? I finished up World 4 last night. Okay. So I'm like two-thirds of the way through. I am very curious about your take because am I remembering this correctly that Mario World is your favorite game of all time? Super Mario World. Uh, It's up there. Okay. All right. Poser. Fake gamer. That's your favorite Mario game. It's my favorite Mario game. Yes, for sure. Okay. Uh, and then Link to the Past is your favorite of all time? 
no, it it changes. I sometimes I say Tetris. Sometimes I say what are you saying past? You know. Okay, just so um, yeah, I'll say Super Mario World today. Wow! All right, okay. so he's coming yeah. in hot. Oh, uh, got a little got a little promotion today. We're gonna be very right. excited at Nintendo. Uh, Janet, how much? Basically, you whatever game we're talking about, I'll just uh, tie something into that. No oh, classic. And then people are gonna be like, I feel like I really like what Jeff has to add. You know, he's, <laughs> always, right. he's always on the ball. Um, I am. I finished the first castle, and I'm like halfway through the next world towards that second castle. Okay, nice. And then Kyle, also earlyish. Yeah, same as Janet. I think almost exactly. Okay. Uh, first castle and then ha- partway through the next. It's the Alan Wake connection, even though we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Uh, all right. Jeff, um, I, I'm curious to, to hear from you because it's full disclosure. I'm not a huge 2D Mario guy, uh, super fan here, but I hear like the hardcore same. Mario fans out there. A lot of people like this is the true successor to world. And uh, so I'm curious where you're at on that level of hype going into this thing, because the praise that this game has been getting has freaked me out. And so going into it, I almost feel like it's not fair to the game. But how are you feeling about Mario Wonder at this point? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, it is. And it for for the reasons, I guess, that I enjoyed Super Mario World so much was which is that. Everything in it feels new to me, and it, mm. and and for so long it has felt like, especially the two D Mario games have just kind of been, I don't, I don't want to say rehashes because they always I guess they add like cat suits and, and whatnot, but but wow. it's like when when I see when I see two D <laughs> Mario games for a long time. Also, there was that weird chunk of two D Mario games that that I just didn't really love the look when it was like okay now now he's 3d but you're still playing a 2d game and it's the, the new series the visual style yeah, the, was the just new kind of super mario bros that are now very old that's right yeah they're, they're renaming them officially they're all old now. yeah also to be clear cats were added for a 3d mario yeah just Jeff, let's, um, let's your clear, mario okay. fandom is falling apart that's your favorite yeah, honestly, game dude come on just also uh, i like the cats yeah, I love oh, the cats. Oh, the cats, cats, the cats cat. are fine. Except hey. for the dive. I'm not going to lie. That dive was like really... Who did that on purpose? Because I think we all kill ourselves by accident. Oh, yeah. Dive. yeah. Let's be honest. I clearly know nothing about the cats. Um, but but this is the first one where it's like, yeah, they... they. Ha- I mean, obviously, you're going you're gonna to still see, you know, the classic um, Mario enemies and whatnot. But so much of it is new. And it's, it feels like it's so above and beyond. Like... The entire premise of the game just being like, okay, every every level is going to have a weird gimmick. Yeah. And then within that, most of them are going to have a secret that's going to unlock another like one-off weird gimmick is is so good. And then on, on top of that, it's like, oh, and let's just create like all new enemies that are also super weird and super different mechanically from what we've seen from other games. And so that has been like kind of the high I've been riding throughout the entire game the like the only drawbacks for me are the levels understandably i guess feel a little shorter than than like a mario world level would be and and half of that is like every other level is you know like like just a very short activity of like 30 seconds or whatever and then it also from from what i've played so far it's it's easier than than mario which you know to be fair, I played Super Mario World when I was a kid too, but it's there hasn't been a lot of like pain points for me, which makes it sound like it's a bad thing, but it, it hasn't been particularly challenging. Like when I get to a uh, you know floating ship, one of the like floating Bowser ships, it's like 
I, you know, that was fun, but it, but it didn't, it doesn't fill me with the same, like, oh boy, here we go. Like, but I think you get that challenging. You get that, oh boy, here we go from just the amount of variety for like a little badge challenges and stuff. Like it is wild to have a Mario game where they're showing the star difficulty level on there. And it's like, okay, I know this music level where the music gets faster and faster as you jump along. Like this one's going to be surprisingly tough. So I felt like even if some of the levels aren't completely uh, haymakers for my body. I, I feel like that is where the challenges have come through so far, at least, is in the kind of weird one-offs. Yeah, I, but I, I feel like still difficulty-wise, it's like 10% is actually really challenging for me. And then the rest is like, I mean, and it's all fun. You know, 100% yeah. of it is fun, but it's just, I, I have I have felt a bit like a tourist just kind of going through wow. each stop, enjoying it, and then it's like, all right, on to the next thing. As someone who I, didn't, I also wonder, oh. I mean, we're all kind of... Uh, you wonder? Uh, wonder? I wonder, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I almost didn't catch that. Um, it, I assume those, like, three-star difficulty ones get more frequent as you go along. I mean, most of us are still fairly early here, so... Yeah. I mean, they, I've seen a couple that have been difficult, but surely towards the end, there's more of those? There, there is an area that's, like, all... Difficult, difficult um, stages, oh, which sweet. I haven't done yet. I've okay. been putting it off. Yeah. And so I've, I haven't, I haven't done those yet. Um, but, yeah. but just like general and, and like, I totally, I totally understand it because Super Mario World was probably too hard uh, for like the target audience, um, which I was back in the day. And so it's like, I, I don't, don't fault them anymore. for it. And it's like, yeah. how, are we, how are you ever going to build that character? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be, yeah, plenty of endgame stuff, though, that's going to be I did. I really was difficult. playing thinking of some kids crying, though, because there are some things that I think I'm like, oh, I'm having a hard time. And I'm like almost 30. So I don't know. Sorry, Is uh, everyone playing like alone? Like, what do, what's y'all set up for the game? Because there's multiplayer. So I'm curious if anyone is digging into that. I play a couple uh, levels I, with my kid. Okay. Yeah, I only have tried the four player um and would not recommend. Really? Four, I got I got four player stories as well um cuz I did the four player. Wait, what's well, going on? I, but you're not like bumping into each other anymore, but it's still just too chaotic oh for its own good. So Well, I kind of I don't want to start I I, I want to at least quickly give my like general thoughts. Sure, sure. Like, you know, I don't want to go straight. So my story with Wonder and I think that's also like why I haven't played more of it is I'm playing with um some of my family. So I have uh, my partner Isaiah and I invited my brother over and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's like all play together. And, you know, we did that and it was fair and fine. I, I do think the game starts a little bit slow in terms of being interesting. Um, It's funny because same as you, Ben, like I heard like the buzz online. I'm like, OK, everyone like really loves this game. Like, we'll see how it is. One buzz point I heard like on my like t- like social media timeline was the singing piranha plants. Right. And then when I got there, I was like. That's it. Like <laughs> oh, y'all really? it was too hyped up. up. Like that's the worst. That's why. Like- that's why social media is trash, Janet. Because the rest of us just got to experience that and be like, you know, it's early on. It's like the second level they throw that out there. And it's like, okay, this is like a tone setting. This is the tone they want to set. It's a delightful little thing. But the idea of being disappointed by singing piranha plants just <laughs> take Twitter and everything else off. <laughs> well, your phone. here's the thing, and, and maybe was, I'm just more joy if you did not expect. It. <laughs> yes, and exactly. I, had, I didn't read anything about this okay. game before I started playing it, and I loved it. But I, yeah, if you, I don't know. Like, don't don't tell people about a cool level. Just let them experience. <laughs> well, I thought. Okay, here's the thing. In in, I still. It sounds sounds it sounds so negative, but I'm like, I still blame the game. I don't blame the internet because 
when I I've gotten buzz like that too for other Mar like the Van Gogh level, everyone talked about that. And when I played it, I was like, oh, this is from a different game. I was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. But like, so I was kind of like, mm, oh, okay, like this is not that. Like I expected when I think music levels in a platformer, like Sackboy, a big adventure, like knock that out of the park. <laughs> sure. Rayman knocked that out of the Rayman park. Rayman absolutely is the go-to. So when yeah. I got, I was like. Y'all popping for this? Like, it's cute, but, like, who? Okay, anyway, so... Yeah. I get through that part. Um, The game really starts to come alive, I think, after those first few levels, and you kind of, you know... There's a lot of interesting stuff going on, too. Like, the fact that there's core direct in-your-face tutorials in a Mario game is like, oh, this is, like, different. Because normally they bake this in directly to level design more so than, like, pull... Like, when they show you the badges, they're like, here's how to use the hat and stuff like that. It is weird, yeah. But I really started to enjoy it a lot as it got cooking, you know, as you started to see the ways they play with the Wonder Seed and changing the levels. Um, I'm happy to see so far, like one of my fears, like when I started it, was that a lot of the fun would be based on, and now you have to run really fast. And I'm like, I don't really want to run fast because I want to like look around the level. Um, I think they have a really cool mix of that. Um, I really warmed up to the the side stuff Jeff was talking about with like the really quick 30 second levels. Like, I think yeah, those, those could cool. be quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really in, like the game started cooking and I was having a great time. I was like, okay. And all of us were having a good time. Like Isaiah, my brother, like we all have you know, slightly different opinions, but like, we're all having fun. We did the, um, our highlight was, I forget the name of the level, but it's, it's the one with like the, uh, they're like the dinosaur looking things. And it's like one of the four or three star difficulties. And you like ride them. It's like a train. Yep. That goes yep. to the sky. Yep. Is it the, the um, Bapos? I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, we, like, died a bunch at that and, like, had such a fun time, like, trying to problem solve it and be like, okay, well, like, no, you stand in the back of the area and then, like, I'll cover this part. And it's like, oh, hit the P-switch. It's like, okay, no, you know, it was that classic fun, cooperative moment. It was dope. It was great. And then... And I'm sorry for listening to this, Eddie, because it's nothing personal. My friend Eddie came over. He's like, oh, I'm going to come. I'm like, can, can I still come through? I was like, yeah, yeah. It goes up to four, man. Like, come on through. Eddie comes through and whew, we get to four people. The life is sucked out of the room. It is the it, <laughs> it goes from being a really great game. Like I do think I guess if I had to like couch it somewhere, like I'm liking it a lot. I don't think I'm as hot as some people are, but I'm enjoying it. I think it's a, a great Mario game, a good Mario game. Cool. Yeah. Oh my god, you get to four. It is unplayable. It is <laughs> everything wrong with it comes out. It is an what? unplayable. What are you talking about? This is just Eddie time. that seems like a mess. Jeff, what could possibly ba- change? Back me up on this. We can go back and forth. I had a terror. The camera just, you can't like, I I feel like throwing up playing it. Like the camera goes everywhere. It's it's like almost unplayable (laughs) at four, I think. Yeah, we, I, I had a bunch of um, my wife's siblings over and we were, we were playing Jackbox, which we'll get to uh, in this episode. I did the opposite. I played half. We were, yeah, we, we were having super fun time. And I was like, all right, we should play some Mario because, you know, we got this Mario game. I want to talk about it. We put that on, and it's just like it sucked all the joy out of the room. Like everyone what was just kind of quiet. It, I mean, part <laughs> of it is just that the the camera follows one person, and like, and I I can't like I don't think it's really zoomed in more on on Mario, you know, like on a character than than previous Mario games. But it's like I don't know if it's just the amount of you know verticality or whatever how much you move around in levels and how much the level moves around with you that you were constantly leaving people off the screen and then they turn into ghosts and they kind of have to fly back in and it's just like 
it's not built to have to try and shepherd four people yeah. through le- mm. a level together. And okay. it, it, yeah, aside um, from the ghost mechanism, it's it's not doing anything to try and help help facilitate that. There's also like levels that are just inherently really just become extremely difficult to play at four. And the reason you can get away with it, I think, at three is especially if you have like you know solid players that like are you know comfortable and capable of playing like this kind of game it's like okay we all know how to like get around it's fine there's like a few a small enough group of us that you don't really notice the camera stuff as deeply i think probably the magic number for co-op would be two people i think two is perfect i think three i didn't have a problem with it four i would not recommend um there was literally a level um that would have been really cool if i had played it alone it was like one of the mini ones like the and the mini ones are kind of like different challenges that you sort of run into um so this one was all about the wall jump. Um, yes, I think you can I remember see where that this one. is going. Oh my god, that going was brutal from the ground single player to yeah. the top with four people, oh, and the no. camera follows one person regardless of how good that person's doing. It is literally an impossible to play together <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, oh god, <laughs> yeah, I've been so playing a. And that happens like a lot as you get to. So we only did a couple levels at four, and like that was the point where. Um, and it's so funny because like, and as I just listen to the show, so he'll never really know about this, but I, I told him, I say this all the time. Like, I'm like, I'm like, people joke that I hate games. I'm like, they should watch Isaiah play games. Cause when Isaiah gets mad when he's playing a game, he's like, it's like, oh, he, he was tearing them designers up. <laughs> he was not having a good time. And I get it. Cause it wasn't, I don't think it worked well for the four. So I didn't disagree with him, but like, it definitely was like, I think we're about done playing now because the night is going yeah. In a in a bad yeah. direction. Something um, horrific we, we is played, happening to groups like around the nation. Yeah, we we played like ten levels, and I was like, "Should we should we just go back to Jackbox?" Yeah, I've seen <laughs> enough. <laughs> I've seen yes, enough. Please. All right, okay. Yeah. But the game itself, there's a lot of fun ideas yeah, but, in there. And, and so, like, that's how I started playing the game. Um, and then after that, I I've played single player the entire time, and it's it's you know I've been steadily enjoying it more and more. Like and and. Like, it really does feel like it's meant to just kind of, you want to soak up every special little quirk to a level. Whatever whatever that level's gimmick is, yeah. it's just much easier to do that while you're playing alone and just kind of smile to yourself in appreciation for what they're doing. And and it's it has been, the game has been consistent, you know, the 30, 40 levels or whatever that I've played, like... Every single one has some weird new thing to it, and then also another secret weird thing. And it's it's like they don't repeat gimmicks. That mm-hmm. like there there are a couple like set kind of ones where it's like okay, you got to go around and find hidden coins in this little area, or you have to do a series of like you got to kill all the enemies in this area. But beyond that, like they don't they don't recycle a lot of a lot of the, you know, different quirky wonder seed events. Yeah. And that's that's just ridiculous. Has anyone done the online souls aspect stuff? The weird, like, setting the standee? I, I haven't. I turned that off pretty quickly. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Can anyone explain what that is also? Because I have a very shaky understanding of I mean, the standee system. You're basically, oh, the standee system, I, yes. you can, like, play standees, and I think that the, gives people like coins or something but like the thing that was bugging me was like seeing all the other people playing online at the same time the ghosts in the background it was yeah. just like it was it was basically like playing this uh i i really turned it off i was like this nope i, I it is funny this. Like, this is been, too much going on here yeah i've been playing uh, offline just you know on a on a flight mainly and stuff like that 
Uh, and it is weird, like, having an in-world character, like, this is Professor Connect. He understands the Wi-Fi. You gotta activate Professor Connect. It's like they're trying to, like, make the internet be, like, how Lakitu was the camera for Mario 64, you know? Where it's like, well, I mean, sorry, Professor. That, man. Yeah. That's like a Nintendo thing. They always have, like, you know, even Animal Crossing, you have to go talk to a pilot at the airport to, like, get on the internet. Right. You know what I mean? They always sort of oh, try yeah, to personalize man. everything. Just to make you feel like you're disappointing this person. Be like, I don't think I want to turn on those weird ghosts, but maybe we're blowing yeah. it. But no, I, the Mario I, Maker tutorials or characters, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I do love how musical the game is. Like, you know, obviously, having musical-themed levels and stuff like that, but also just, like, you know, having the the butt bomb move have like a little rim shot to it now it just feels like music is really baked in a different way uh in a, in a bigger way than it has been in mario's past or just am i did i have my headphones in weird did they change the the fire power sound effect in this game too oh, I, I, I really don't remember okay all right knows. it stood out to me but i was like is this just a weird headphone issue i'm having because like everything's just been tweaked in some some subtle ways but kelsey what's what's popping for you over there I mean, yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is kind of what people have been talking about with the the gimmicks, but really just the enemy design. Like, yeah. I I have never been. It's not often that there is a Nintendo game where it's just like, oh, there's not that much that's familiar here. Right, like, I can figure right. it all mm-hmm. out pretty quickly, and you know, like piranha plants exists or whatever, and so do Goombas, but they tend to even among that have their own quirks. You know, like the piranha plants might get up and start walking or this is a slightly different Goomba wearing like a skull or something and he takes two hits to kill or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the enemy design is, has been really, really, uh, I don't know, interesting for me. And it, or, this is going to be a very strange comparison, but um, it, with Pokemon black and white, they uh, decided to do a thing where it's like, okay, you're just not going to run into like anything familiar for a while like right. all of the pokemon you see are all going to be this new generation and i found that kind of jarring at the time and like wasn't a huge fan of it and i feel like this is the way to do it um whatever they're doing here the is right like, mixture of old and new yeah um where things will at least appear familiar but there's still i mean there's very really very little that is actually um you know, like, has one-for-one one been in a previous Mario game. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, you don't really, like, you don't feel like this is totally brand new. Like, it's all instantly understandable, which, um, yeah, is really, really impressive. Um, yeah. I also, like, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about uh, Mario Wonder, just, like, after, you know, after they did trailers and stuff. I continue to feel like this is a game built for, like, the next generation of human beings with just the way (laughs) janet you touched on this a little bit with just like design sensibilities but like the fact that there are 30 second levels and these like 30 second experiences even within the levels these wonder seeds and everything it feels very like i'm i swear i'm not trying to sound like an old lady with this but like it feels a little like tiktok generation you know like a little Kelsey. no no you're like the old woman in the shining you're aging too quickly you said the words no No, I literally thought of your, like, and that's what I like about, I don't know, like, what this is getting kind of meta about, like, what we do and, like, the conversations that we, like, all have about games. Because I, even when I maybe have a different feeling or takeaway from it, like, I feel like I gain additional perspective from, like, what y'all bring up. And, like, when I was playing and I, I was talking to my friend Eddie because he's, like, working on his review of the game, um, he was like, oh, how do you feel about the fact that 
there's not numbers popping up from the enemies. There's like words. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really process that because I'm just kind of playing. I don't know. I'm just I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about what you said when when we previewed it at um, PAX, where you said, like, this feels like in a not necessarily pejorative way, but like the iPadification of yeah. Mario. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's like the words just kind of buzzing on screen. It is very like. It is a stimulus-heavy experience yes. for sure, and, and it's like, got like the emojis and stuff. I think you totally nailed stuff. it. Like, yeah, when you like had brought that up um, earlier. So like, yeah, I just I kept I've been th- I was thinking about that as I played Kelsey. So I'm glad you brought it up again. Yeah, what it's worth, uh, my 12 year old was done after like three levels and went back to Stardew Valley. It's a little, it is, a, it is heavy. But so you I don't know, know if it's for their generation. Or not. Well, you I guess it depends on the age too. But I think also, um, it. It's funny because it, it does feel new in that sense, but it also feels like a nod to the chaos of Mario Maker because Mario Maker was also big on like, what if you could do like just throw a bunch of stuff on screen and kind of like vomit assets in a way. And like, but obviously this is much more controlled and like thought out. No offense to people making like Mario Maker levels, but it, it felt like a little bit, I don't know. It, it was interesting because it felt different and like modern in that sense, but also like a callback to some of the funkiness of well, the Mario Maker era. Yeah, it's interesting. Nintendo published like a, a Q&A, basically their new era of Awada ass on their site where they went into the development a little bit. And it's interesting hearing Tezuka, who's been on the series since the start, he was talking about how he felt the pressure while promoting Mario Maker 2. And he did so many interviews with the press. And the press was like, well, how do you make a new 2D Mario after this? Because you're kind of giving people all the tools. And he's like, oh, we'll have something. It'll be weird. It'll be different than Mario Maker. So you're saying that Mario Maker was actually fuel for the team for like, okay, we really got to push this thing and do something completely new that couldn't be made in the Mario Maker mold. So it's weird how just maybe even the press impact has made them rebound in just a really weird direction. But I, uh, I, I... I don't know if they were successful, man. Because yeah. like those those levels feel. I mean, outside of the wonder seeds, they feel very templatey to me. Like mm. that, and it, it really. And I don't know if Mario Maker broke my brain, but like I can see all the the sort of recurring squares and stuff that they use, and it really makes That's me just understanding like how Mario games are constructed I, better I, though through no, Mario Maker. It, 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 I mean, it's kind I, of seeing into the Matrix, not like um, I know. So and you've seen the meat get made too much, and now you're like. Should we be eating this? Like, is that? I'm with I you. Mean, that's Kyle. that's totally fair, and it, it is bringing down my overall experience. And my thought was like, man, I feel like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze didn't have this templatey feel. And I went back and watched a bunch of gameplay, and it really doesn't. Like the levels. That's feel, like one of the best platformers, though. Like I know, and I use like, that as a it's point. It's better of, than Mario Wonder. You know what I mean? Like it just. Thank it's you. I I so totally good. agree with you, Janet. To the point, and I, but the more, I really more am enjoying of, of Freeze than it is a slight to Wonder. To, to clarify, like, yeah, like I, and I've been really Wonder is really joyful, and it's really like lovely and I've had been having a good time with it and I'm eager to go back to it. I like the talking flowers. I know that's like seems to be a point of contention. Some people don't like them. I like them oh, quite yes, a bit. Okay. I think they're quite great. But like I I'm like I felt like I was taking crazy pills because I was like, this is like not on the same level as Tropical Freeze, right? Everybody Oh like, Kyle, No, I, I definitely think yeah. this is, you know, it's interesting, Ben, you open this with the like, are you a 2D or a 3D? Like I love both. I I never really felt that like that's a conversation people have, but I never really thought of my fandom as like 2D versus 3D. Like I've just been playing Mario my whole life, and like I'm gonna play it forever. Um, Mario's definitely gonna outlive me, which is a scary thought to have now that I'm talking about it. But you know, um, and if there's an afterlife and they, the Nintendo Online works there some for some reason, uh, it's a good place. Oh, it will. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like I I like both of those. I do think. <sighs> 
I don't know. It sounds. It does sound like this is like a very washed conversation, like a date. Like you know, it's gonna make me sound old, but I do think the best of two D is probably behind us, and I I think that's fine. Like those highs are so high. Like I don't think I'm gonna get that maybe now, and I don't think I necessarily need to. I think this I, is a step in a, in, the, in a positive direction for what two D has been recently. It, it, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think what you guys were talking about is it's it's a shifting design focus. Like I don't think they're setting out to make the best, you know, kind of long format 2d levels anymore, or trying to capture the challenge of that. It's like, they're trying to do fresh bite sized things. Like that's, that's the design goal for this game. And I, and you're not going to, yeah, like all, all of my complaining about the levels seem a little shorter and a little easier than, than previous Mario games. I think that's just like, that's a shift in focus. That's not like an accidental, hey, we couldn't make this level twice as long and twice as hard. Like, that's what they're going for. Here. Well, also, I mean, I don't know how much is just your nostalgia and your youth coming through. I mean, I played Mario 3 all the way through for the first time within the last five years. And I was struck in Mario 3, at least, like, some of those levels are microscopic, you know? So it's not a completely unheard of thing to have really bite-sized Mario levels here. Um, I, I like the shorter levels. Like yeah. I, I want them shorter and like more uh, bite sized I love that. The thing that's like not clicking with me with Mario Wonder is like the sense of place. It just I, doesn't. Man, I'm totally with you, Kyle. Like, and there's something flat. And it's like I love the new animations for the the cast and yeah. Mario looks great and stuff. But it's the levels. It's the look of the levels that just are not doing it for me. And it just feels. And like like we're talking about with Kelsey's like. I think maybe Mario Maker 2 broke my brain a little bit, but I can just I can see I can see the grids and it makes me less excited. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't even think you're not you're not Neo in the Matrix for seeing the grids. Like some of those bonus levels, it's like I enjoy the variety of having them. But some of those like, hey, here's a challenge arena or, you know, the one you talked about, Daniel, of like, you know, wall jump to the top. It really is just like barren landscape. Here's a block here. Here's a block here. Where Kyle, I'm totally with it. And I was reading that, you know, behind the scenes blog thing and no shade to this person. They're a thousand times smarter than I am. But yeah, so uh, Masanabu Sato is the art director, um, and he got his start working on the series by animating the Koopalings in New Super Mario Brothers Wii. And it kind of it made me think back to that Young idea of the like, Nintendo scale, honestly. Right, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I do wish it had like an overall clearer aesthetic. But like the thing that made me think of is like, and it's not fair to lump everybody together and say that everyone's a hypocrite. All these Mario fans, but. I feel like everyone in the world that I talked to was like, uh, New Super Mario Brothers, uh, those stupid Koopas that look towards the camera and go, bah, bah, during the song, which I was fine with back in the day and <laughs> Best stuff. Best part of those games. Yeah, it was a charming little thing. I feel like that sensibility and the Koopling animations that the art director worked on before, that is like spread throughout this entire game in such a big way. And now everyone's like, oh, it's genius. It's a whole they new world of Mario. They just were back then. It's know. confusing. It was like, I feel that like is true. Maybe they were, maybe he was ahead of the curve, you know? It could well, be. Well, this is also very much leaning into that, whereas the new super mario brothers games were you know like it was it was a part of the game but this is like full lean yeah. into it so maybe people just weren't ready for like a sprinkle of it they needed like the whole thing <laughs> that's no such a weird subtlety back then i guess so <laughs> yeah. yeah why put a little salt in your food where you can just lick an entire salt lick and uh, that's the game but uh no kind of talk, like i know you're a fan a bigger fan of the 3d series and stuff yeah. and it's interesting yeah. hearing um, in that behind-the-scenes blog, that apparently the uh, director for 3D World, Hayashida, he was a designer on this game, and his entire mission was like, we need to inject more 
3D Mario inventiveness, quote unquote, and kind of inject it back into the 2D series. So I love that it's just beyond a talking point. It's like, no, that. we took we took yeah. the director of 3D World and brought him onto this. And I do agree, there is there is some of that. But I, Kyle, I don't want to be too negative. I think I'm on the exact same page on you with this game, where it's like I'm having a fine time playing through it, but I can just keep thinking about like. You know, Rayman Legends was pretty freaking good. Maybe we should go yeah. back and play that a little bit I mean, more, everybody. For me, it's like Tropical Freeze and Rayman Legends, and then Wonder is underneath both of those, personally. I mean, I don't, we're not ranking 2D platforms. We are. But, we um, are. We should, literally we should we're Let's toss it on the pile. Why not? Yeah. Um, I just, what I don't, what I don't understand about, about this take is, like, Mario Maker gave me a greater appreciation for a 2D Mario done well. And so, mm. for... To hear the take that's like, well, now that I can see the game design behind it, I don't like it as much. I'm like, oh, I like it more for that. Like, I guess, you I guess, can tell these people are experts at doing this. I understand more of what goes into these decisions and appreciate it more. It's like, I don't like, you know, we don't really get to like dig into video game source code and stuff very often. And Mario Maker is like a gamified version of that where it's like, here's how this is made. Here's how the cake is made. And now I like can taste the vanilla better or something you know like i'm i'm i I like (laughs) i followed you no i i think it's like design versus the the visual aspect is it a thing that i'm getting caught up on like the design stuff is 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 great you know it's like oh i understand what i'm supposed to do here this is fun but it's like i just wish it like I, i i guess i just and it's like maybe it's a personal preference but like i don't want to enter a test chamber i want to feel like i'm in a real place right and like and I know I keep going to Tropical mm. Freeze, but Tropical Freeze play feels like... Play an RPG like or a... something. That's, that's not what platformers are. No, he's like Tropical Freeze. Play an RPG. Who could have predicted that one coming out? Some of my favorite games, Inside, Limbo, like those are 2D games that just like, I feel like I'm in okay, this so strange you, world and I'm not getting are, that from one. Are you saying no. like, you don't feel like the areas are like detailed enough to immerse you in the world of, God, where are we again? We're in... Uh... Plant Town, USA. Flower World. I think Flower so. I, yeah, I, I'm, What's the name it, of the world that we're on? I'll find it. I guess we're in land, right? Is that what you mean? Like, you're just like, I just feel like... Florida. I'm not... Yeah, I just feel like I'm not in Florida when, like, I'm just climbing three I random so. bricks. Is that kind of the thing? I, I feel yeah. like, though... I mean, obviously, that's your opinion, and, like, you're entitled to have it, but I, I I've disagree. never really... You're damn right I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In case you need the... Probably there's the permission. <laughs> you're, well, I don't give it to everyone, Kyle. Don't, I'll take it away. Thank you. All thank right? you. I'll, I embrace I'll turn this podcast right around. <laughs> um, no, but I... I um, was chasing Flower Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Who course. could forget? Like, anyway, I, I never really got a strong sense of place from, like, Mario like that. Like, it is... Yeah. I mean, obviously, there is a lush and fun world, you know? But it's not, like... At, I mean, you know, I do you, think those comparisons like Inside is such a moody, well, vibe yeah, yeah, feeling but, game. You yeah, know, but, like, I'm here yeah, to but, jump. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I mean, Mario 3, I th- still think holds up as like having such a distinct vision and art style and vibe. Mario Yoshi's Island. Island. Yoshi's Island. Not a, not a world that you're living in. Oh, I can't. I, I remember when I was so immersed in that world that had giant colored blocks in the background. Right. That if you crouched on it, you could fall behind. Like, sure. Style. What, what was the style? Sure, the, but the trade-off here is that the style changes that. every level. Yeah. Though, like it can't be cohesive because what you're doing every level is completely different from the last level. And it's and too I cohesive. That, that, That's the problem. Allow, <laughs> allow me to. <laughs> I guess, man. I don't know. It's like too like, many repeated patterns until what, you get a once. Flower. 
I feel like you yeah, wanted to the, hate it. No, I'm the, just kidding. I'm the, just messing com- with you. The, com- <laughs> the complaint about tiles is is throwing me too. It's sure. <laughs> it's like because that has been every Mario game ever made. I feel like yeah, I don't know, and maybe it's nostalgia lens, but I feel like I look at Yoshi's Island yeah. and it's hundred percent. Oh, well, Yoshi's like more... Here's the thing: you keep like, and and this is fair to do because I think, and it's in a way like I think. You know, you could analyze this conversation from many angles. I know some people will be like, oh, like, I don't know. You're like nitpicking or whatever. I think the fact that we can even have the conversation about comparing it to some of these other like the platformers we're naming are some of the best platformers of all time. So I think the fact that. Yeah, but this is a new Mario, Janet, like it should be compared to that level, you know? No, but that's what I'm saying. I think it's good that we can even have that aspect of conversation because it speaks to the fact that it's even in near that conversation bit from like mm. a quality of a game perspective. Cause yep. I'm like, I, cause we weren't talking about that for new, the other, the new super Mario bro. Like people were yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, it was fine. Van Gogh was fun. And that was kind of it. Um, but yeah, like it's it. If you're asking like, is it on that level? It is not. It is not as good as Yoshi. I don't even think it's as good as Yoshi's Woolly World, which I think is just an oh, whoa, game, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, no. whoa. Hang on, yeah, Kelsey's I'll take, vomiting. Oh, I'll, I'll uh, take Yoshi's Woolly World over this any day. Whoa, for this that is the it. hottest take I've heard all year, Janet. Yes. All right. No yeah. one, oh, yeah. no one on Shut Earth has ever defended Woolly World. If you collect, here's the thing. If you collect all the flowers in Yoshi's Woolly World, that's a freaking masterfully designed game. Now, if you just, if you just want to beat the levels, <laughs> and, now, and there's no shit, you can play how you want. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah, it might seem kind of but it has so much depth and intrigue and challenge in that game. Okay. Like, it is a fantastic, like, it is, oh, sorry, not, not Woolly World, crap, yeah, yeah Woolly World, yeah. My Woolly point World, is Crafty proven. Because Crafty World isn't that good. Like, Crafty World's a little bit, like, right, eh, it's this fine. Is falling Woolly apart. World hits, it hits hard as hell. You completionists run that, and you completionists run, get all the standees in Mario? I'm sorry, that's not interesting. Like, it's not satisfying, it's not, in- it's not compelling to get. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll okay. stand on that six ways to Sunday, ten toes down. Ten toes down, she says. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I didn't play that game for eight years just for people to be like, oh, and then you look at that freaking amiibo and he's giant. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's, it is, like I said, like you, you can reasonably 100% levels the first time through a lot of the time when yeah, you play Yeah, you do one. that it's in like Whirly World get, and you, you tell me that you, that's seeds, easy to do. You get two seeds, you find three of the purple coins and you jump to the top of the flagpole. And that's kind of like, that is what's defining a fully completed level. And that's that's what kind of feels like what is different. Again, like that's that's their des- design choice of where they wanted to go with it. But like back in, in Super Mario World, like finding all five Yoshi coins felt like a, like a much more difficult and challenging thing. <laughs> we sound so thing. old in this podcast. It, it is. It is. It's a very old comparison. And um, they were all tiled. Anyway, you look I at do it, think, so, you know, obviously, like at a, at a certain point, you know, it kind of becomes the same thing over. And I'm, and I'm sure our takes might evolve as we reach completion of the game. But one thing I do want to throw out um, that I really like about it, kind of back to sort of what Kelsey was talking about with like the newness of it, um, just the novelty of like even that first boss fight, like it just the designs and like just sort of the wait, Bowser Jr. Just you jump yeah. on his head. No, but like the like, there's like a design thing that happens to him. Like he turns, he changes like, his color. Or he changes sizes. Yeah, okay. like and he, cha- yeah, he changes, and you change size too. And like there's stuff like that that yeah, I think I like is that. really is really cool. And again, you could argue, oh well, we've been again Yoshi's Island. You know, when Kama comes by, you also yeah, sure. It's, I'm not saying it's the first thing to do any of these things individually, but I liked the 
dynamics in just what is inherently a fairly simple, straightforward fight because it kind of just added like a little sure. extra something. And I think there's a good amount of spots like that. And I what I'm looking forward to with playing more of it is I really don't know mechanically what's going to come next and how they're going to do things. I also think too, like the... I'm enjoying the badge system a lot. Like the the flipper kick underwater, like underwater levels are so freaking hard to do. And yep, like them yep, just yep. adding like a that little bit to make it a little easier to traverse. Like I think there's some really cool stuff um, going on in that regard. So um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still playing just with my family. So it'll probably take me a while to see it through um, and kind of grab them along. Hopefully it'll be faster than my other multiplayer 2D platformer games because it's hard to wrangle. Nearly impossible. Finish that, but that's why it took me many years to beat Willy World and many years to beat Sackboy Big Adventure. But um, looking forward to getting there when I can uh, carve out the time for it. Well, there we go. Um, Kelsey, did you see that uh, interview on Nintendo's blog about this game or the whole Awada asks thing? No, no, and now I need to. Once you started talking about it, I'm there's there's going to read that. There's one quote if you want a little insight into uh, Koji Kondo's brain, where they're talking about the brainstorming for Mario Wonder and how everyone could toss in ideas and stuff. And Koji Kondo says, I also contributed a lot of suggestions at the idea sharing session. And they say, you shared ideas too, Kondo-san? And he said, yes, I shared the idea of an eight heads tall, life-sized, live action Mario humming along with the background music as he goes along. And they say, eight heads tall, life-sized Mario? Koji Kondo says, yes. When he jumps, he says to himself, boing. The idea was never used, though. I feel like I had to take the lead in going to the extreme. So just, I love the idea of, oh yeah, this is the, the Mario music guy. His vision is a giant live action Mario singing along to what's happening. Probably Chris Pratt. I don't know exactly who they get why, to play. Why on, aren't but... you guys writing this down? This is, this is a great idea. Honestly, no, <laughs> I would have thought for that. Like, I'm I mean, is that not like, I mean, we walked into that tower in um, Six Golden Coins, the Mario Tower. Oh, that's true. The big toy guy. Right. That you, you tell me that didn't sound ridiculous when you say it in that way? Yeah. I like, guess let it come to life. Weird. Let me see them. Hey, speaking let of let me see them, uh, let's see some new people on this podcast. Let's see, Kyle, you have to go play some more Alan Wake, I presume? I do indeed. All right. Thanks for, more. thanks for joining us. Clap out. It's been a while, dude. Yeah, I'm looking for it. Here we go. Oh, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle don't, go. don't clap out. Don't clap out yet. Because we're going to be talking about Spider-Man uh, when the new crew comes in a little bit. But uh, Drake Heinhorst wrote in for, for over on Patreon, and I thought it'd be fun to get your reaction to this. No spoilers here. Drake Heinhorst writes in and says, Hey, MinMax, uh, I just rewatched The Deepest Dive on Miles Morales that Kyle was on, along with Kyle Bossman and Ana Diaz. Um, and Ben Hansen, you had some predictions for Spider-Man 2. Number one, Miles's powers being called Venom powers is confusing, and it will be addressed in the game. Miles will say, quote-unquote, He's not Venom, I am. Um, not in the game as far as I've seen. But Sorry it's for a, the spoiler, but no, it did not happen. It's a mistake. No. Um, number two, the sequel will have to have co-op. Ben said, quote, there's no way they don't do that. <laughs> but then number... Oh, yeah, they made the right call. Yeah. I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but my anti-co-op uh, stance is uh, coming in strong for this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, number three, uh, Ben then backtracked on his second prediction, pretty quick and said if it isn't co-op then the first 50 percent of the game is peter and the second half is miles fighting evil spider-man no comment on that number four they won't reuse the new york map 
so if you need, uh, you think they were going to be in a different city. Like Seattle I guess that was the, the the prediction. <laughs> so if you ever want evidence that you should never listen to anything I say in this podcast, uh, there you go. Predictions for. I would love to too. know if I pushed back on any of that. I think I pushed back on the venom thing. It is confusing. They should have had at least one line in there that addresses the fact that. Okay, it's not important. the only person confused by. It. I mean, it's not. I'm like, the only person confused know. by that. No, I've heard other people I mean, on the no podcast one, talk about it. it. Are you sure it was you looking called, in a mirror? Yeah, my favorite podcast. <laughs> his powers being called venom powers are not this iconic thing. You yeah. know, they're just like electricity powers. But it's addressed know? a lot. The, the they, is, they say it a lot in the game. Anyways, Kyle. Okay, I don't know. At least twice. All right, thanks, Kyle. Clap out, buddy. <laughs> See ya. Holy cow. Sarah Podzorski. Absolutely, it worked. It still functions, everybody. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Not to be outdone by Leo Vader. It's my great honor. That's right. Big dog on campus. Uh, let's see. Leo, Sarah, this is Janet, um, Jeff, and Kelsey. They're here as well. And you will nice not find Kyle. Hi. Hi. You will not find Kyle here. Uh, no matter how hard you search, <laughs> he is nowhere to be found. Uh, welcome to the big show. I, we should probably talk about this in our Monday meetings. It's it maybe it's poor planning on my part for uh, having a bunch of six person episodes recently, but I think I think it's kind of fun to pack it in and have everybody in here at the same time. They are fun. I just re-listened to the 2022 Game of the Year debates because oh I'm getting God. excited. And <laughs> You're too strong. The full cast was a blast. It's so great having all of us together. Okay, now More imagine that plus Haley and how chaotic is it going to be is the question. Yes, I'm on a way harder year. This one. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, what'd you learn, by the way, going back and listening to that, Leo? Um, We're good. Oh, you liked <laughs> it? We did right? one Game of the Year, Jess. Really? That, you genuinely liked it? I did for sure, but I think there should be a pissy zone every segment this year. I wanted to talk to you about that. Okay, every recording. Yeah, yeah. Instead <laughs> of just a backstage zone. pass thing, that makes sense. We um, just more pisses with the Shoney. <laughs> yeah, that was my one note. Uh, somebody had a suggestion. Uh, I think it was like on Reddit. We were just saying like, "Hey, what should we do in the future?" All these things, and somebody had a suggestion, which is like, "Oh, on the official MinMax site, which does exist, everybody, MinMax.com." Yes. Um, they're like, "You should have the list of the two tents for every year." And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And so like, I oh, yeah. took 20 minutes and put that into the new site. And so you can check out the full list of the two tens for every year since 2019. But it was a really, if I may kiss my own ass, it was like a flattering moment of like, then the person responded to that Reddit comment. They're like, wait, you actually just did this. It's like, yeah, we're, we're an independent operation. Like it's not rocket science to just add this thing. That's a good idea. So if you, you want to fully talk to the shareholders it, first, that's yeah, right. yeah. yeah, you yeah. know how it is. Uh, hey, we should, Sarah, are you okay waiting for just like 10 more minutes before we talk about City Skylines 2? Oh my god. Just please, just... Uh, what else is there to talk about? Uh, how about a little guy called Spider-Man, Sarah? Wait, are we doing Jackbox still? Yeah, we're doing Jackbox. Hell yeah. Uh, but I know Leo and Janet, um, and maybe other people, Jeff was probably been playing more Spider-Man 2, and you haven't really weighed in on this thing yet. Uh, we covered it a lot in the past, but hot takes on Spider-Man 2 from Leo and Janet here? Stuff we haven't hit yet? Uh, I think it's great. The, the story isn't blowing my mind, but like the set pieces and the way they're constructed and the way they have impact, I think is like really, really strong for an open world game. Yeah, because it's interesting. I'm trying to think. You did the game club for the first Spider-Man back at Game Informer, and then I feel like you kind of fell off AAA games in a big way. So it's interesting to hear that you were into this more than I expected. Yeah, I fell off Spider-Man 1. I like I don't think I would have finished the story if it wasn't for the game club, but this one I'm feeling pretty self-driven to to power through the story. And part of that is you level up every 5 minutes, and yes. that's just fun. <laughs> I love how often you're like leveling up um in this game. It's funny because like 
it feels in stark contrast to um, other games that I've played where you level up once per hour um, and everything's really expensive. But um, no, I mean, honestly, it's I, I loved it. Um, I think it is very, to me, very clearly the best of the three, which I'm... Ooh, okay. I, I knew that I'd like it because it's like more Spider-Man, but I was pleasantly surprised by the bit that felt very clearly like a, a little bit of a step up. Like, it's like, oh, okay, like everything, I enjoy everything a little bit more. Like the abilities are super fun. Like they really built on the base they had. I think my favorite thing about Spider-Man 2 is the way that so many of the little narrative elements and the side quest details legitimately pay off. And obviously every franchise is inherently like connected when it's within a franchise. But I really felt like they really leaned into the friendly neighborhood New York Spider-Man's New York aspect of it in terms of hey this NPC that you may have like talked to in the first game like they have another quest and it's yep. like in the same vein and it's like this is the the pigeon guy from before and there's also like <laughs> without getting into spoilers um because I, I platinumed it so I did all the side quests and everything there's like a lot of heart in some of those side quests yes. and I really really love that um I thought there's like frankly moments in this game that I, I found to really be beautiful and and truly moving um i think they just did a great job i think a lot of people criticize games like spider-man 2 for being like oh it's like the classic it's triple a it's so polished that like who cares it's <laughs> Boo, like too basic polish. kind of thing yeah yeah i mean honestly there is like a sector of of fans that feel that way about it you can it, just but say I leo think, vader it's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think where i think really where it shines is just the fact that like it it does it's like one of the best versions of that to ever really do it. And yeah. I think there's something really masterful in in that execution. So, um, yeah, I loved it. And there's a bunch more suits. And, like, I just, I have very few, like, critical notes of it. There definitely still are there. I, I don't think it's, like, a literal masterpiece of a game. But I think it's very, very strong. It's super fun. Like, I, I loved it front to back. So um, definitely one that I, if, I think if you're enjoying it, I think it's totally worth doing a completionist run of it. Because you really do get, like extra like narrative or ability stuff or like you just get so much out of fully playing it to completion uh, in a way that isn't always true for an open world game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You're talking about like how it's one of the best that's ever been done. And that is, I just kept thinking about while playing it. It's like, God, how many games have been done on this scale and have come out this well? It's like, you know, Brian Intihar, the senior creative director on this game. It's like not many people on earth have pulled off a game like this. It's honestly a handful of, Oh boy, sorry, YouTube. Handful of Sony games at this point, honestly, that have like pulled off something this big and this smooth. It's People are just, opening Reddit right now, Ben. It is, it is a wild <laughs> level of production uh, that they've done here to make it also seamless for, yeah, the big like cutscene or cinematic moments and stuff like that. It's just ridiculously well done. Yeah, I mean, few studios obviously get that kind of money and time to do something yes. like this, of course. Right, yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I am vibing with the combat more, especially, of course, the stealth sections, you know me, but that that line they added, the line you can place anywhere to make your own kind of uh, yes. little mm -hmm. spider thing to traverse, which I think is straight out of the Arkham games, right? Yeah. If yep. you want to give credit. But that adds so much, and I really love being able to to do my little thinning the herd thing before I go in and like drop a big <laughs> gadget on a big group and mop them up tactically that way in addition to the how good the freeform combat feels for some reason i don't know exactly what they even added but i'm vibing with it a lot more this time i think for me one of the big differentiators because it's funny like again glancing at the gameplay it looks pretty much the same across the three games but i think the way they've streamlined the gadget system is a big help in miles mm -hmm. and in spider-man one 
it was like you kind of pulled up a wheel and like time slowed down while the wheel was there and you could like select the gadget yep. and then you could like toss it out. And now it's like completely like quick map to the face buttons by default. So like you're right if you, you know, I was going to say if you're playing on PlayStation, there's no other place to play it. <laughs> um, the right face buttons are like the gadgets and then like the left is like your abilities and you just hold down L1 or R1. So it I, the only kind of that I think is once you get towards the end, you do end up kind of staring just at like your cooldowns in a set. Like I'm just throwing things out and I'm not really like paying attention. It's a the little same way. Final Fantasy 16, if I may. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't know. Cause I only got a few hours into that, um, uh, but I'm going to say yes, because I can't say you're wrong. So sure. I hope you're right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is end up being kind of like that. But again, that's also like sort of up to you, but I think that's what makes the combat better. Like before yeah. I had such a hard time remembering to use the gadgets i also think too like back to the completionist thing the trophy list is a lot more forgiving there's a lot less 30 wall takedowns like i don't do the wall takedown you know what i mean like there's like less nitpicky little things to do so i think they also made that pursuit a little bit more fun than it's been previously i'm trying to remember help me out comments but you know just the history of the weapon wheel in the game industry and obviously it's a critique for sony games like oh weapon wheel third person got it got it got it um but I think it was like Resistance 2 got rid of the weapon wheel and people were so pissed that they added it back in. I think it was like Resistance 3. That was like a big talking point. He's like, the weapon wheel's back. So it's interesting that with the third iteration now, they're like, all right, we're going to cool it on the classic Insomniac weapon wheel and just kind of streamline some stuff a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if there are a million interesting things that justify a wheel, then I guess it's the best thing you can do. But this, yeah. it's like, they all kind of do the same thing. You right. lift people up or you push them away or you pull them in. It's like, we don't need a bunch of variations on on moving guys around. Yeah, Jeff, um, are you sitting down? Jeff, do- um, are you sitting down? Jeff, um, are you sitting down? I yes. guess I guess they don't need to reinvent the wheel. Sarah, do you want to talk about City Skylines too? <laughs> I hold on. I had a question. I was I was giving <laughs> right, the room right. to kill it off. Uh, do you question. guys actually know what gadgets you're using when you use gadgets? Or do you just um, press whatever is available at that point? I definitely know the sucking guys in one because that gets an upgrade okay. where it pulls in the environmental objects too and it ends up doing a ton mm. of damage. So I use that one a I lot. Know. I know. I also I love how the upgrades work in conversation with playstyle in this game. Um, and obviously, like, at a certain point, like, if you have all the upgrades, like, whatever. But I was obsessed with aerial combat in this. Like, you know, hold down square and then you can lift people up and then fight them. I just pull people. I was just in the air. I was just Air Jordan in this game. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. And I leaned into that from the jump with my upgrades where I did like extra damage and I got like extra help. Like I was just dodge. a threat to the sky. Yeah. Like I was just terrorizing people. It was great. Um, but I would say not, nah, probably not. Like I, I am aware of what they do in a sense, like to Leo's point, like sometimes I'm like, Oh, like I'm going to do this cause it'll be fun. Or there are without spoiling it, there are like side essentially challenge rooms that you can do where sometimes they need you to do a certain thing. Like one of them is launch enemies into the abyss. So then in that one, I'm like, okay, I'm very strategically doing certain moves to make that happen within a time frame. But generally, nah, I'm kind of just throwing it all out there after a certain point. I yeah. really love the whole triangle and press a trigger to send them in a specific direction. Yeah. Or both to slam them down. Like, manipulating people like that and getting a kill early, for lack of a better word, by webbing them up and slamming them into something. Like, strategizing around that is is not new, but still really satisfying. Yeah. Uh, are you gonna stick with them? Uh, stick with the uh, Spider-Man Jeff? Um? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't. I don't know why you ask me that at this point because I say that about every game. I've noticed, right? um, but I. I feel like this one is achievable. This is Mario <laughs> Wonder. I feel like 
I'm probably halfway through Spider-Man, two-thirds through uh-huh. Super Mario. I feel yeah. like I can I can do that. Well, great. Carve out time for Alan Wake 2 with the deepest dive, and it'll be good to go. Peace Perfect. Sarah, can we please talk about a city? Finally. Can we talk about the heroes of Spider-Man, which is the city planners? (laughs) Can we talk about the true heroes of society? City planners. Now Um, we're getting to it. I don't think City Skylines 2 is a game so much as it is a absolute time machine. Oh. Because I play this game and then all of a sudden, like I boot it up. I'm like, time to, you know, make some roundabouts, make some poorly developed roads. And then suddenly it's four in the morning and I've absolutely destroyed my sleep schedule playing this game. I I have not recovered yet. I feel like I sent the code to you not that long ago and then I saw your Steam profile and I was like, wait, she's put in like 40 hours already? Like, how is this possible? What is going on in that freaky house? It's just one more, you know, one more road. I can fix this. It's a constant. I mess it up and then I'm like, wait, wait, we can fix this. We just need more roundabouts, more public transportation. And honestly, I played the original City Skylines also when it launched back yeah. in 2015. It's so, so long ago. Kind of like it's a wild. A long time coming for me. Um, and it's hard to compare the two when one of them has like several years of DLC and mods. But I still think that this is already like a better jumping off point mm. than the original City Skylines. Okay. Like, like the roads are a lot. It's a lot easier to figure out roads. I'm still not quite sure. Like I've still created more problems than solved them. Trying to make roundabouts. Because um, like I'm like, oh, traffic? Just drop in a roundabout. <laughs> right. I, that, that's a solution for another day. Um, but it feels like your cities can expand a lot faster. And you can actually buy up land. And actually, they want you to grow faster. Whereas in the first City Skylines, I was building like these little tiny landlocked cities. And now in this City Skylines too, I'm like trying to like embrace the sprawl as quickly as possible. Right. Because um, it's just a lot easier. And it's a lot cheaper to buy surrounding land. Yeah, it's really the opposite of SimCity 2013, which is so tight. And then City Skylines back in 2015 felt like the reinvention of that. And now this is even further. Of like, okay, it's, now just it's, go massive. The maps are huge. And yeah. it, like the topography is also a little bit different. I feel like in the original City Skylines, it was like, here's this flat field. Like maybe you'll get a river. Maybe you'll get an ocean. Go ham. But in this one, there's like American versus like European style, which will dictate how your buildings look. Um so, can so yeah, you, just very interesting. Can you help me out with this? Because I, I've heard you loving it and you're so eager to talk about it on the podcast and stuff. And then I see the rest of the internet um, taking a big steaming dump on it. And I'm trying yeah. to figure out what's going on. Is it just performance issues that's leading to like the I Steam reviews being I think a lot of it well? is performance issues. Okay. I didn't notice any issues. I have like a 3070. Um, did my PC sound like a jet engine? Yes. But, like, I didn't shut down. It didn't crash. All it, right. It played. Good enough for me. Um, and also, like I mentioned, there's, like, eight years, several years of, like, DLC and, like, quality of life mods. And you really can't compare, like, the end of City Skylines 1 to the beginning of City Skylines 2 and not be, like, disappointed, like, that there's not enough mods, not enough quality of life. But it's, like, it'll get there. Like, I have no doubt that this one will get to where the current City Skylines is. Yeah, any complex game that gets a sequel i always think of you know when a new sims comes out it's like i still mm-hmm. am in the mind frame of like oh sims 4 is trash now everyone's like what are you talking about no of course it's great but it's like oh i just remember when it came out everyone said it was uh dog's breakfast well, it, did, to it sims didn't 3. have pools it didn't have toddlers they had a lot to right. answer for <laughs> the two most important ingredients to a fun sim session why would you, how are you supposed to kill people if there's no pool <laughs> uh so yeah i saw i watched ign's review of city skylines too because i am i'm curious about it i really love that first game um, and I want to take time for it. And it's like, it seems like a lot of nitpicky things 
um, of like, oh, the parking lots look weird. Like things aren't as smooth for if you're really zooming into the granular level here. Yeah, it really depends. I didn't realize people cared like how their cities looked aesthetically because mine always just look like a hot mess. But like if it functions, it functions like a true city. Sure. Um, the issue that they're running into is because they sort of changed the topography. There's a lot of hills. And when you slap a building down on a hill, it'll either just kind of like level all of it. So now there's a huge cliff or it'll like f- like manipulate the building weirdly. So it's like somebody's backyard is like going vertical, like <laughs> Spider-Man style. Okay. Um, but I think that'll just come with, you know, quality of life updates and all that. Because, like, to me, it doesn't really matter. Like, my favorite thing to do is, like, in this version of the game, you can actually, like, follow people who live in your city. Nice. Where, like, you can find a bunch of people and add them to, like, a following list. Wait, and so, you can, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So like, the government. It's like a watch list? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, the government. I'm essentially stalking my citizens. But, cool. like, I can find people. And I can add them to, like, my following list. And I can go through and I can click on people and see where they are at any time. And Do I they also plot get like terrorist acts. No, but I can see their like Twitter updates. Thinking and about I terrorism can see today. when they're like dating people. They're like, oh my God, like I'm so happy that I met like Jonathan Smith. And then it'll be like a little bit later, it'll be like Jonathan like Smith and I are getting married. And you're like, that's cool. And then you'll scroll up and you'll and then it'll be like, I hate Jonathan Smith. We got a divorce. <laughs> I have a new job and a new apartment. And it's a whole new me. And you're like, what happened? Also, the roundabout is really cool by my house. I've been meaning to tweet about yeah, this. I, I really love the way that this highway going 70 miles an hour turns into a sudden roundabout <laughs> with five spokes on it. My Hot Wheels car is coming oh in handy. Do, is Not to like, mention there's there's traffic accidents now, like full on traffic accidents ooh, where weird. like cars are on fire and the legit there was a body on the road <laughs> Jonathan and and that's when I realized that like apparently you need to buy road services to clear your roads because they were like I kept getting this pop up that was like up. The and, and normal, the, yeah the bodies are piling up and they're like an abnormal amount of your citizens are dying Um, either your health care is bad or the roads are bad and I'm like what do you mean the roads are bad they're fine there's no traffic like yeah. what do you mean the roads are bad build a roundabout it, around the body yeah just go around it but um yeah and then I realized you need to buy road services to clear traffic accidents and make sure your roads are good enough so you don't kill people i don't know it it's was confusing i did want to ask how are the disasters are there tornadoes and stuff classic yes but the disasters i left them on but it's literally so weird because you'll get notified to a disaster even if you don't like own the land that it appears on so they'll be like oh my god a forest fire is raging and you'll be like where oh my god where is it where is it <laughs> and then you'll zoom out and it will literally be across a mountain range like miles away and it'll be like this big Please. And you're like, oh no. And then also, <laughs> I saw a tornado that was literally on the edge of my town. Like a tornado, like pulled up on my border, and we kind of like looked at each other. We were kind of, and it like stood there for way too long. And I was like, are you? Should I? You know, should I put some shelters down? Like, what are we doing here? And then it just disappeared. So. Oh, I assume the Bless. natural disasters will be more of an issue when you have like a bigger city. But right now, they've just been like on the outskirts. So, yeah, I heard um, people really hyping up that idea of how granular you can get for following people. And, like, just to go back to this hot uh, relationship with Jonathan Smith, (laughs) is it to a point where, like, you can follow this person and they'll, like, start going to Jonathan Smith's house overnight and stuff? Like, is it to that level of weirdness? No, it never gets, like, I'm plotting a murder type thing. Well, then what's the point? I don't know. So I just like to, like, what I like to do in City Skylines is I like to make a bunch of public transportation and then i like to follow somebody who takes all my public transportation so they'll be like from a tram to a subway 
to a bus to their house. And it's like, I just make my public transportation utopia. Nice. But I, I feel I feel for like city builders because I made all this great public transportation and nobody wants to use it. Like people yeah. are complaining about traffic. And I'm like, well, if you just get on the bus, <laughs> you wouldn't have to sit in traffic, would you? Yeah, but we saw and, a news you know, story you, two years ago how there was an attack on a bus once. So we can't use them ever. Is we the can't. Idea. And it's like not the subways. But I feel like, you know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So I've made it <laughs> so you have to pay to street park. On any of my roads, you have to pay to street park. Mm. And I put a bunch of parking lots down and I crank the price all the way up. Nice. So it's like, I have become, this is, I make money off so of Chicago. this now. Yeah. It, maybe, yeah, the tornado. Take the train. <laughs> uh, so you're liking it more than the first one. This is, this is a biggie for you. Yeah, I think it's definitely got a lot more quality of life stuff. Um, it's cool being able to see what your city's importing and exporting mm. and being able to kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm importing a lot of like, grain like let me just build some farms that farm grain because apparently like we can cut down on costs that way so it's cool how you can get that granular with it yeah uh yeah i there we go we didn't miss the joke opportunity everybody don't write in about that one um real quick this is a maybe a dumb question but like do you feel like it's easy to get like into like and is, is there like like a structure at all to like guide you or is it really just like go in there and just make whatever and mm-hmm. the fun is tinkering with it kind of continuously like what can people like expect if they're because i've I've never played like if you've never yeah if you've never played before it's definitely i had like the muscle memory from the first city skyline so like you're gonna go in in your first city and you're gonna be like this i'm doing a great job and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you're gonna have really bad traffic and all of a sudden the bodies are gonna start piling up and then the plague's gonna start because there's too many dead bodies and disease will overtake your town and you'll be like oh Oh, okay. So like, and then you'll learn from that and then you go and you make a new city that's a lot better. So it's like the first one, it's like playing a game for the first time. The first time is always just kind of like a wipe. Like it's still fun, but like you have, you learn a lot from it. Yeah. And then you're like, when I make my next city, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to add more roundabouts. Yeah. And this is uh, it's just on PC for now. Uh, but the first one eventually came to all consoles and stuff and even like VR and stuff, which is wild. So I'm curious to see what the road ahead looks like for City Skylines too. It's also PC Game Pass. That feels, oh. that feels difficult I don't to do. No, why you'd yeah, want to use like a controller. controller. Yeah, I mean, they pulled it off in the first one, I guess. Okay, but City Skylines 2 from Colossal Order. That's sweet. Yeah, it feels like Paradox is the publisher. It feels like they could use a win. I feel like every Paradox headline I've seen over the last year has not been great. They had like office closures and then Vampire the Masquerade disasters, and they just like split with Lamplighters League, that, that new game that was developed. They split with Hairbrain Screams, so it seems like. And then this game coming out, and the reviews weren't great, but it's all performance, so it's like that yeah. weird thing of like, yeah, six out of ten reviews on Steam, but can I trust it? Is it actually a good game if you have a, you know, beefy PC? If you like the original City Skylines, but you only liked it with like 50 mods, mm-hmm. maybe wait on this one a right, little bit. Right, right. But those. if you liked, I like the original City Skylines, vanilla, then yeah, yeah jump in, absolutely. Sweet. Uh, hey, Jackbox Party Pack 10. Surely they couldn't possibly be a 10. It, this is, it's going to be a momentous event in uh, the gaming industry when they finally surpass Final Fantasy, I feel like, with the Jackbox Party Packs. We can all celebrate once they get to 17 before Final Fantasy does. Uh, but uh, who's all been playing it? Jeffum, Janet, Leo, Leo. I know Haley uh, really enjoyed it, um, but she couldn't join us for this episode. Uh, but good pack, good pack, y'all. Good pack, yeah, good I like pack. it, good I like it a lot. Okay, uh, it's not lighting the world on fire. It seems like upper half of packs, but not like a absolute lock for the party game to be. 
I mean, I really, I, I haven't played all of the packs, so I can't really do like a full verses on like which is the best one. But I really loved it. Um, I there are let's see three, five games with it. Uh, it's TKO two, mm-hmm. uh, Time Jinx, Dodo Raymi, Hypnotorious, and Fixie Text. Um, and of those, like I played with, um, it was four of us total. And like we love TKO too, which it's funny because it's TKO too, so it's like the follow up to their previous TKO. And right. when we were playing it, one of like uh, my friends was like, "Oh, how is this different than like TKO one? Like, what's different?" I'm like, "Not a lot. Like, they have like sweaters now." And then everyone in my group popped really hard for the fact that they had sweaters. So <laughs> I don't know. And then they're like, "Oh, and the fonts are like different." Like, unironically, like people were really excited about that aspect. And I, and I love TKO the original, so that was cool. Yeah, Time Jinx was dope. Like. Um, it's basically like timeline, but with like a little bit of a twist. And so then, you're guessing what year something happened or how many, mm-hmm. what number of something. And then whoever's closer, like the further off you are, the more points oh. you get. You want to have very few points. Cause they had that, that one. one yeah. seems like a new Jackbox classic. That's a really cool. Oh, trivia. That's nice. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were really into hypnotorious and the other two didn't hit quite as hard, but, um, like, Oh, like we had like so much, like we played this right after playing Mario wonder and we had like so much fun. It was like some of the most fun I've had. Like Jackbox continuously is really good at delivering like some of the best games, but like on a more since they're party games, I think people kind of don't always like put it on a big pedestal. But like they crank out really good experiences. The tutorials are really clear. Like I I feel like we don't give them enough credit for like like how good their design is. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. People just kind of take it for granted. I I am curious about TKO too, because yeah, I really love that first game. But like, is it? It's not a radical reinvention. You get you can print your stuff on sweaters, but does it speed things up? Because I love TKO, no. but it always feels like it's a long, slow burn until it gets really super funny. That is a totally good Jackbox game that more than some others has a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Like, I think it's the worst one to stream because of all that downtime. And a lot of people get confused by the absolute lack of direction of like you're drawing something random, you're typing a bunch of random stuff. Right. There could be an option to remedy that. It seems like the exact same game with a variety of things you can buy. It feels like they want to sell shirts again. Unfortunately, I wish I thought there was more of a heart to it than that. But it really is just like the same TKO, but with kind of a worse art style. And now they just want to get into that lucrative sweater business. They really sold out this Jackbox crew. I don't know, man. Uh, In Party Chatter, bonus podcast, somebody wrote in, they were talking about um, that Dodo Ray Me one that you didn't Mm -hmm. like, apparently, Janet, but... There's is, is this like the I love it. like it's like a music game it's like a music rhythm game that you play in this yeah everybody there's like 18 instruments to choose from from a song and you pick whatever five your group wants to have and you all play it and then you all listen to it back and hear all the notes people missed or hit and it's like this specific version of this song with these specific weird instruments like one's of just a voice screaming one could be a, a cello or whatever there's such a huge variety and it's got like progression to it you're unlocking different songs with your group which is really unique that's perfect uh, jeff i'm hardest laugh from the time you played what stands out oh um, what game give us the scenario walk us through it uh, that's a good question Thank honestly you. after we played jackbox party pack 10 and then we played mario wonder with four people, which was way too many. We we went back to like Jackbox Party 4, and I think we had the most fun with Fibbage. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Um, Can't go wrong. Yeah, but I but that that's not uh to throw any shade on the the new um games. The, it, it's interesting, Janet, that you said that Hypnotorious went over so well with your group because at eight players, like 
trying to wrangle everyone and get everyone to listen to the instructions mm. and then tough. understand what's going on in that in that game is was tough. And it and if someone doesn't understand it because you're typing in, you know, like responses to a to a question, but you have to pretend to be the yeah. thing that you're you are, but you don't want to say it too blatantly. Like if someone doesn't know what they're doing, their response is going to be crap, and then you're not going to be able to figure out which one to group them in. And it, it seems like you really have to, everybody has to be on the ball and like sit down for yeah. a couple minutes of rules and really internalize mm. them. You definitely do need work. to pay attention. So I could see that getting unwieldy um, for those who like aren't familiar, like him notorious. The setup is that you like take on a new identity and it's something like, you know, you could be like, you know, Frankenstein or subway or a jump rope, like just like a random thing. And then you get asked questions and you're supposed to answer the way your character would, but don't make it too obvious. So I will say like, I think where hypnotorious has room for growth is in clarification on what exactly is my objective. Like is my objective to like seem like, if, cause there's like one outlier in the group basically, or maybe there's more, if there's more people, I don't know. I only played with four. Um, and then it's like, so you're trying to find like kind of the outlier, but like if I'm the outlier, it's not like, you know, you're the outlier. So like, am I supposed to like, that's right. the only thing that my group mm -hmm that we kind of struggled with. I felt like the directions weren't clear in that sense. But for me, that was like our biggest laugh because in part to your point, like if you don't really know what's going on, like sometimes you might mess it up. And like my brother had something like, um, he had long John silver and it was like, what, what's your fear? And he said pirates. And we're like, no, you're at the end. We're like, you're a restaurant. And he's like, yeah, but like we're a pirate restaurant. So like, we wouldn't want to be with other pirates. Nope, and we nope, were just, we were nope. absolutely like losing our mind of like trying to, like the com and that was like the first round. The second round we understood a little bit more, but it was still like a like the funniness of like, wait, what is this? Or like one time we like, you know, we had like a chore one and like me and my brother wrote the same answer. So we're like, okay, I think we're together. Like I what I liked about Hypnotorious is I think it it does require a lot on the player, but I think it's a nice mix of creative writing without it being like so much pressure to like necessarily perform because I think sometimes yeah like yep. for hit for sometimes for Jackbox when it's like open ended it's like okay like you have to be really funny like you have to be really clever this is more like it's a funky little prompt and the fun becomes like the stuff that you do and discuss together like I never really knew what to expect for it so that's why it was kind of a lot of fun for us because it was just so like random and kind of interesting. And like, I don't know, it introduced mm. a lot of um, things we weren't really expecting. I think that's a great point. And I am glad that they keep trying to do deception games. Like that's yeah. a really cool. I think someday they're going to hit on an amazing one. And maybe it's this with more time, I think is the only way we'll, we'll find out the, the skill ceiling and what's super interesting about it. Yeah. But I, it's definitely a cool genre for a Jackbox game to be. I agree. Yeah. I wanted to really nail it for a long time. It's like they've gotten close a couple times. I think that space one is fun, uh, yeah, but kind of broken. The, the Among Us, basically. Yeah. I forget what that was. It's not space space, whatever the name of that one was. Uh, Leo, was it uh, you're talking about Fixie Text is going to be good for the charity stream we have coming up soon? Was that the number one choice for yes. us? Okay. There's one dud in every party pack, yeah. pretty much. And I think this is clearly that one it's not super thought through you're kind of just typing over each other it's like split into teams and these teams are working on an answer to this question together and so it is going to be nonsense you're going to start words in the middle of each other's words <laughs> and then at the end it's going to read out and make it sound funny and stuff 
And it was kind of a miss with my group, but I did immediately clock it as like 5 a.m. extra life. Ooh. This will be yeah. funny. Okay. I think it's I definitely this. better. That one was also a miss with my group. and But I think it's best with like a big group because I, at PAX, I went to um, the Jackbox panel that uh, Jenna Steber was on. Yeah. And they played, fix, they like showed these games off. So I like saw a lot of them already. And Fixie Text was one of them. And it was really fun, like watching them do it and like voting on, because like to add to what Leo mentioned for the setup, you also then like, as the audience vote and pick your favorite words and then they kind of do stuff with those words. That was a lot more fun in a really big group and having a really big audience. But with just four people, I think Fixie Text falls into the problem of the onus is way too much on the player. Like, oh, I guess I'll just say something like, I don't know, random or gross. Like, I don't know, you can just like make yep. like a crass Naughty joke words. and like that'll be funny or I'll say right. a swear and like I guess that'll get... Th-. And then I think too, um, Fixie Text in a small group struggles with... When you're not the one writing, like you do watch the people write live, but I'm just sitting here waiting for you to be done. I think too, the timer's kind of long. So like I wrote out my thought, I was done. There's no like, can we just hit stop? It's like, no, we just got to sit here. So I will say I though, you're always looking at something like there's no yes. downtime from a spectator perspective, which I think okay. is another reason it'll work for extra life. Perfect. There's no like 45 seconds while people silently work on something. Yeah, because you see it live, but then the like we didn't have enough content to be live for as long as we were live. Sure. sure and sure. then watching it wasn't like, especially too, with only two people, it's like, it's also kind of obvious who's writing what in a sense. Yeah. Like, while if you had a lot of people, you really are writing over each other and it could be more fun. So that was one that I was, I thought it would be really fun because I saw it and it looked fun. And then when I played it, I'm like, yeah, I guess it isn't that interesting in this small group, but sure, you know, sure. maybe more fun to watch than play. Yeah, could be. Uh, by the way, Leo, I don't know what Extra Life is. Uh, our charity stream is called Give to the Max. That's coming up a uh, Saturday, November. Oh 4th. yeah, we shouldn't do this for that. I'm saving this for whenever I do Extra Life. Oh, is that right? Okay, it's totally understandable. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should remind people. Yeah, we're gonna have a big uh, charity stream, marathon charity stream, happening Saturday, November fourth, from the Minmax Studio. And the reason it's not called Extra Life this year is we found a smaller nonprofit. Uh, that we're supporting here out of Minneapolis that uh, is helping out foster kids. And so it's, we didn't come up with this, but it's part of a larger donation drive in Minnesota that happens in November that's called Give to the Max. And so we're hitching our bandwagon. We didn't come up with that? No, no, that's, it's Give it's MN. Called give it's the called Max. Give to the Max. I, I thought you guys were just really clever. No. Yeah. Since I heard it right here, I'm just now realizing, does are people going to think that means Give to Min Max? <laughs> Oh, it's, to the well, we do call ourselves the Max a lot, and now it's, it's really <laughs> coming yeah. back to fight us. Yes. Uh, no, but all the money goes uh, for helping foster kids in Minneapolis, and so we have a ton of uh, charity auctions. Uh, so we will have a post up on Patreon. We'll be sharing it and blasting it on social everywhere so you can get a full rundown of the schedule and all the amazing stuff uh, they're giving away. But a ton of collector's editions, uh, Spider-Man 2 PS5 with the Spider-Man 2 controller, um, some fun inside jokes and references from New Show Plus throughout the last year that we'll be auctioning off. But um, there's truly a gobsmacking amount of stuff to auction off. So it's going to be a fun challenge. Get ready to gobble. I'm so excited for that stream. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, Now let's get to the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Now I saw you and Sarah talking about how any game slotted in for discussion right before community questions is clearly barely making the cut. Well, it's like, you know, SNL, they always say like the wackiest sketches are the ones that go five minutes before the end of the show. Um, just mm-hmm. in case they need to cut it. And I feel like that's where you get the creative good stuff on SNL and the weirdest sketches. And this is where the good best gaming discussions happen on the MinMax show is right before the community questions deadline. Leo, 
Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, 2, 3, 4, Underground, Project 8. What, you're playing through all of these? What's going on over there? Your favorite Tony Hawk games are back installed on my hard drive. <laughs> I've been emulating uh, PS2. That's what I've been getting back into. And I was like, what, what game should I play? And then trying one Tony Hawk going, well, what about this other Tony Hawk? And now I've played almost all of them. A lot of them near to completion or, or a couple runs of the ones that are easy to complete. Whoa. What do you think? What's it like going back to all these? It's so, so fun. And it's interesting. I, I totally have nostalgia goggles that blind me beyond like disliking American Wasteland. My, my favorite one. It's always been my favorite one. But seeing more of the flaws, seeing like, oh, here's a really slow part of the campaign where you just got a bunch of crappy missions or like you just have to uh, go across this one connected world in a way that uh, might not be fun if you're not loving every second of it the way I am. <laughs> and it's also interesting because I've been going back to Thug One, which is the one I never played because it has a strip club in it. And at the time, my mom took that very seriously. And she was like, you won't be playing Tony Hawk's Underground. Wait, but you could just like skateboard by the windows and see people with like a bikini inside? Or like, what is the actual extent well, of the strip club? Yeah, it's I want to hear about the strip club in Tony Hawk. So you, you like you skateboard around the pole? The and, okay. and there are dancers there. Scantily clad. Whoa, okay. whoa. But are they skateboarding? Are they doing little kickflips? No. Maybe there's a secret huh. skater that does. But you go through the secret door to exit, and the pop-up message is four hours and $400 later. Yeah. Oh. And the custom ah. character I made was a Na'vi who's giant and blue. <laughs> so that felt oddly canon. I don't know. But it's the, the soundtrack... What I was going to say is, it's interesting having nostalgia for all these soundtracks, but Thug One, having not played that, it's like, oh, this soundtrack kind of sucks. Like, oh, I'm sure, sure it's exactly as good as all the other ones, but I just have no built-in love for it. Really right. quick, back, back to the strippers briefly. Crowboy yeah. in the chat says, how did she know that there were strippers in the game? I'm sure there was some news report on it. I feel ah, like that okay. was the Jack uh, Thompson era, right? It was, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you remember the news reporting of that era, Janet, but not a lot was going on in the world back when Thug One released. So this was like headline story. They brought out Walter Cronkite. He was talking about it for a while. It was talk of the town. Yeah. Uh, Hard-hitting reporting. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so can you give a new ranking? The objective ranking of the Tony Hawk games now? Uh, I don't think I ever could give an objective ranking. Damn it. But but Thug is higher than I expected. It's having no nostalgia for it, going back to it, it's like, oh, I do really see the value here. It is a really, really cool campaign and the most grounded of any of them, the most like rags to riches, which is a, f a fun lens for that story. And it's the yeah. only one where you drive cars. Every level, <laughs> there's a car driving mission. No. And what I what? never could have predicted feels kind of good. Kind Decent car good. driving controls. That is weird. I have never touched <laughs> yes. that one. Yes, it is. The other note is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 by far the hardest one. Mm. It is like the jump from Pro Skater 3, which is you're supposed to beat it 15 times in a row with these different characters, so it's not that hard to beat. But Pro Skater 4, you share objectives with all your characters, so the way they balance that out for like time commitment is making the challenges way, way harder. Some of which are fair, some of which aren't. There's one carnival level where you have to grind around a roller coaster track the whole way. That's the objective. But there are roller coasters on it. And if you hit them, you fall. And so you have to time it between after one of the roller coasters, you can do it. If you do it before the other roller coaster, it doesn't work. There's one coaster. Two of them are going around. You have to pick the right one and grind around and you get around at the last and jump off at the last possible second before you hit it in the back. Perfect. And it's like, did they, was this intentional? <laughs> I have no idea if they wanted me to figure that out or if it's just a shoddily designed 
mission, but that one has been a, a steep hill to climb trying to 100% these. Uh, Bread writes in over on Patreon to say, hey, which is your favorite hidden character in the Tony Hawk franchise? And is it Shrek? Because it should be Shrek. Was Shrek in Thug 2? Shrek's uh, I, in it? Shrek is in it, baby. Shrek is in, I did, yeah, Shrek is in Thug 2 along with Space Monkey, Cod Soldier, Phil Margera, well, that's just fun for everybody. And this has aged well in Aborigine. I'm sure it's very delicately oh, done. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so that was, yeah, that's Thug 2. Thug 1, of course, had Gene Simmons and Iron Man. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, you had the Eyeball, Wolverine, Darth Maul, the Doom Guy, which is confusing. Was the original Fortnite was Tony Hawk. Though. Apparently Ooh. three, yeah, was was wild. Because then also it's like, well, now they're both Microsoft properties, which is weird to think about. But back then, Activision had the rights to Doom. It's confusing. Uh, but Leo, do you have an answer for the best? Um, yes, fir- firmly. There's a lot of great ones. But Pro Skater 4, I did the same thing I did as a kid, which was mainline to unlocking Django Fett. yeah. Because he has a Django jump jet ability, a special <laughs> trick is all any ability anybody has is a special trick, but you can do it from an ollie and it launches you 20 feet in the air with your jetpack. And so it becomes this huge advantage to have to get around the level like, oh, there's this collectible dollar up there on the roof. I could figure out the line that takes me there or I could just Django jump jet there. And I was reflecting on how like Kid Leo found that and only ever played as that character because they had that special ability. And that felt like finding that kind of specific way through a game that feels unique to me and gives me these advantages that I feel super smart for figuring out. It's like, oh, there's some some of that gaming DNA that I still really respond to. There was in there in that that little boy playing Tony Hawk. Do you feel like then you walked by in the store shelves and saw Bounty Hunter for PS2, that game starring Django Fed, and it's like more tempting because of that love? <laughs> Maybe marginally. Marginally. I, I felt like the skateboard was was important. <laughs> Oh, me. yeah, there's that whole thing. <laughs> there's got to be skateboard on Wikipedia. Jeff, can you get on that? I'm sure it exists. Um, okay, just to round this out, I thought it was fun to look up. Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, unlockable characters, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, yep. and then just a welder, just a guy in like a welding mask. I guess <laughs> Isaac Clark teasing. And then Tony Hawk's Project A Ted, Jason Lee, the actor, and Travis Barker, the drummer from Liquid 82. And then, Jason Lee's a big skater. That's it. Uh, and then Tony Hawk, the remake recently had an alien, apparently, is the big unlockable thing. But uh, Do you have thoughts? Do you want to see? Do you think there's any chance Microsoft, now that they own Tony Hawk, which is weird, would make the 3 plus 4? They'd like undo what Activision did, remember? Because they basically, they took the team that finished Vicarious Visions, uh, that finished the remake of 1 plus 2, and they're like, okay, you guys are, you're, you're a Blizzard team now. Work on Diablo. Bada bing, bada boom. Which sucks that that talent was, was pulled off and put on that instead of 3 plus 4, but... Yeah, I mean, three plus four would be hard to do because four is more of an open world. No two minute timers versus three minute three was the last one mm-hmm. that did have the two minute sessions. Yeah, it would be hard to meld those into one thing. But I could definitely see them doing like, a, I mean, optimistically in my dreams, I can see them doing a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater three plus, And it's like all these levels, way more levels than we're in Pro Skater three, because throughout Underground and the rest of the ones after most all of them, there's a classic mode, which is. Hey, if you miss the old style of Tony Hawk, you that's in here too. It's like there's eight levels with their own goals that you do two minute sessions of, and they're totally super fun. One of the best moments I've had do, doing this revisit is through Parsec playing co-op split screen classic mode in American Wasteland, oh, weird. which is like a one off thing. 
they never did before or after. But split screen Tony Hawk just shredding and hearing the person next to you shred and going, I'll get this collectible. You get that other one. We'll work together on this goal and like getting faster and faster at it. Awesome experience. And I love that there are that many classic mode levels. I think they really could do more with them. Yeah. Of like here is a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 with that great skating where they really mastered it uh, with a thousand levels. That'd be sweet. Hey, Kelsey Lewin. Hello, Kelsey. Hello. Hey, do you know how this whole thing operates by chance? Uh, sick kickflips. Mainly sick kickflips that can be found exclusively at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Help support independent games media. You support us at any tier uh, for the next week and you get a free code for Oxenfree 2 on Steam. So jump in, everybody. Join the deepest dive. Help support this whole thing. Unlock a benefit and uh, help us uh, keep climbing up. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Special thank you to some of our biggest supporters. Uh, Sarah, I don't mean to fully out you here, but you like a glass of wine every once in a while, right? I thought you were going to bring it up the fact that I canceled my Midmax Patreon subscription. Oh, really? (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, Sarah hasn't been a Patreon supporter for at least a couple months. We need your support now more than ever. That's right. Don't you want to be calling you an alcoholic? So it's better. better. So that's right, Sarah. Are we getting wine? Oh, we're getting wine. Uh, Have you ever heard of First Leaf? No. Well, it's a wine delivery service, First Leaf, uh, and it is surprisingly easy and cool. Uh, maybe we'll are they even... delivering to your house? Yeah, they are. But you're coming over soon for Cream of the Could Steam. Could you give them my address? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can come over. We're going to do Cream of the Steam on Sunday, uh, the special October Halloween edition. And somebody in the community said we should call it Scream of the Steam, which yeah, that's that's good. We should. Um, but I can give you one of these first leaf bottles of wines because it'll blow your damn wino head open. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, to be fair, I just buy what? my wine at Costco. Oh, you'll never I do that again. I go for the highest score with the lowest price. That's you'll, how I pick my wines. No, 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 no. One, that's what first leaf is for here, Sarah, because you can do a quiz. So it's like right uh, when you, you go there, it's like, hey, what do you like, red or white? You can choose how many you want of each. You do that, you move you on. You like red or white. And then it's like, how sweet do you like your wine? You can adjust that little thing. And then it's like, okay, do you like this flavor? Do you like this flavor? And you're allowed to be an idiot and just say, I don't know. I don't know. Then they ask you this. How adventurous are you when you look for wine? Are you cautious, a little adventurous, or straight up adventurous, Leo? A little adventurous. Well, they got a wine for you as well. And they ask you, hey... What, where are you on your wine journey? Are you an expert? Are you at the beginning of your journey? And then they say, here, do you like these foods? Do you like almonds? Do you like mushrooms? Do you like key lime pie? Buttered toast? Just like for maybe some flavor samples they're going to work into your wine. But Sarah, the key yeah. to a good ad read is not to wince when we're describing the flavors of the wine. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's right, everybody. First Leaf. Check it out. They make it easy to get personalized wine delivered on your schedule right to your door. Uh, since it chose the day, oh, since you, you get to choose the day the shipment comes as well, so you never get stressed about missing a delivery. And every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Uh, ooh, and they also, it's cool, for each wine that you get, they give you a little, like, collectible card. How many wines did you get? Well, they send six at a time. So it's pretty sweet. Oh I, just, my God. I just dove into this last night for La Belle France Bordeaux Rouge. Uh, but it's got, you know, fun stats on it and the history of the wine and all that fun stuff. So if you're into Pokemon cards, you'll love First Leaf. Uh, so give your palate what it really wants with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash minmax to sign up. You'll get your first six hand-curated bottles for just $45. Take that, Costco. 
That's tryfirstleaf.com slash minmax. Obviously, T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash minmax. Tryfirstleaf.com slash minmax, everybody. Six bottles, 45 bucks. Beat that. We dare you. Uh, also, shout out to our friends at iM8Bit. They want everybody to know about A Little to the Left, the vinyl soundtrack to the beloved cute little puzzle game, A Little to the Left. You can get the vinyl soundtrack at iM8Bit's wonderful online store. The soundtrack's on Tidy Top. top how do you say, uh, pronounce this word? T-A-U-P-E? Top? Top? Uh, top? Top? What does that mean? Yeah. Hope? Is that the taupe? color? Hope. Oh, oh, wait. wait no, that's not, is that taupe? how you spell taupe? No, it's not. It's on Tidy Taupe Vinyl, everybody. Uh, music by Justin Carras. So check it out. Album art by Paul G. Hammond. A little to the left soundtrack. Or you can check out a bunch of other stuff at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. Go there. That We're get me to drunk and taupe. feeling good. What's that, Because Leo? that's my bar now. Will that make me drunk? Uh, you'll get drunk by the savings. You can get 10% off of everything in iMatebit's wonderful online store by using the promo code OOPSALLGHOULS. OOPSALLGHOULS. No space. Jump in there. Find something that's right for you. Uh, help support them because they support MinMax in a big way. Help support iMatebit because they're going to be shipping out a prize to the MinMax community. Whoever has the best community question, submit it over there on Patreon. And this week, of course... Because it's a spooky week, they're shipping out Inside on PlayStation. Just a physical version, the IM8 bit exclu- nice. exclusive version of nice. Inside will be shipped out thanks to them. All right, Kelsey, ready to go? Should we jump into this stuff? Oh yeah, born okay. ready. Great. Here we go. Uh, Atsigo Twelve says, "Hey, Minfolk, when have you felt the most useful in trivia? Like once playing Jackbox, we had to put a bunch of '90s sitcoms in chronological order. Well, I just so happened to grow up in the '90s, so I knocked it out of the park." Oh. What a luxury you're living in, Otsiga. Yeah, you truly get those references. Uh, has anybody felt like a superhero in trivia at any point? Um, just sitcom trivia specifically. We did oh. High Much Your Mother trivia at a bar, and we tore it up in my team one. Nice. Nice. Nicely done. Yeah, there was like, um, I was in bar trivia competing once, and it was with like uh, some new girlfriend situation, and it was like with her whole family. And then, like, video wow. game trivia came up, and I was like, yes. Like, I can I can prove that I'm a nerd, but actually get us a couple of points here. And it went just fine. Yeah, video game trivia is, like, the... Uh, yeah, that, that's the obvious answer, I feel like, for mm. all of us. But um, I went to trivia once where there was an entire round that was just uh, naming baseball stadiums. Mm. Like oh. who has the sponsorship or what you know what what each one is called and yeah I, I I knew all of them and I think we were the only team to get all of them so Jesus yeah. nicely done superhero um, I wish there was more dedicated gaming trivia like gaming trivia night at some brewery or something but it's always just like Harry Potter trivia or something like that but I guess that's what trivia towers for everybody uh, you put it together. Yeah, actually, that would be kind of fun, dude. Live in-person trivia tower. I do think it'd be fun. You can uh, use it to promote the Patreon. That's it. Uh, Joe Kafchinski writes in, and they say, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Would your answer be different if the question was just, what's your favorite candy? Yes. I think there's something to that. Mm, like, yeah. specifically, mm. you want to fill your little jack-o'-lantern skull with something different? Yeah. Fun size, 100 grand. Hundred really? grand specifically. You look like a hundred grand guy, though. I'm not gonna lie. I was just Thank saying. You. I just Make got my Halloween size. candy, and I was like, "No kid wants to eat a hundred grand bar." I, apparently, I'm incorrect. <laughs> Since I was Since a little Leo, Leo is that child. Really? Yeah. Expensive I, taste. You know? I'm thinking of like you know what I'm excited to dig into in a Halloween thing, and I don't think I'd ever buy this at any other time. But 
I do like the little Whoppers containers. Just oh, like a couple. So dry. Pop some Whoppers. I love Whoppers. Yeah, you chase it down with some soda, Janet. That's a good evening. Mm-hmm. Or first leaf wine. I've got probably the the hottest candy take here, which is that I love candy corn. I, that's acceptable. I like candy corn that's too, acceptable. and I'm tired of had every year we have to have this discussion on whether or not it's good. Yeah, it is good. Of course, and it's I'm good. I'm sick and tired of it. It's literally sugar. How could it not be good? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. And yet here we are. No, the I little mellow corn... cream pumpkins are even better. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's just a bigger yeah, version I, of it. I don't. I disagree. I like the regular candy corn better. Well, now you're wrong, Kelsey. I'm sorry. You were uh, you were doing great, but you were doing so. Yeah, I yeah. I think, I think the that it was the hottest take. So the yeah. seasonal stuff is always like uh, controversial. Like you know whether or not are are peeps actually good? Is candy cane good? Like people, I don't know. They exist and they're there to remind you where you are. Um, I guess mine would be probably just Reese's cups. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. I feel like all, get... almond joy also gets made fun of by people like me. But I had oh. one a couple weeks ago. One? Actually, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Really, I think some. I think it's just the branding issues. I feel like hundred grand almond joy. They look really boring to kids. So in your brain, right. you think that the package make, means that the food tastes bad. Yeah, I Babe Ruth enjoys coconut, yes. right? Yeah, I don't want. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want the coconut. Kid, sure. Kids aren't going to do coconut. That's why, a, why that? Why do they draw the line at coconut? Taste. That's like Donkey Kong Country. They love that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Counterpoint? Uh, yeah, the counterpoint is point. Rabid Lime writes in. They say, dear, dear CLCs, when you don't like a food, is it usually due to flavor, texture, how it's prepared? Have a personal grudge against it? I thought Usually this- flavor. But texture sometimes can play a role. Like, I'm not a, like, flan. Like, I don't really like the mm-hmm. texture of flan. I'm the same way. Mm. Sure. Speaking of sitcoms, what was the idea? Why was that a big part of Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Does anybody else remember that? Was it they... Loved Flan or hated it? Flan was a core component of that show, but I don't. I don't remember. I watched that show and I don't remember that. All right, I gotta dig through. I think I think texture is a biggie. Like all those weirdos out there that hate mushrooms, like there's there's barely any flavor to hate. It's just you don't like a slightly rubbery. I think okay, no, no. no. I think that's a prepared thing though, because I think there's some like vegetables that if you don't have them prepared in a certain way, you might think you don't like how they taste because that was like. It's kind of like a because I think mushrooms same deal, but like you can f- infuse them with any flavor really you want, and I didn't know that until I started cooking with them and realized, oh, this is great because it can taste like kind of whatever. It's a flavor sponge. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, you just gotta make it the right way. I'm reading that in Sabrina the Animated Series there's a character named Chloe Flan, so there's some kind of overarching <laughs> thematic connection. Well, that's here. what we're talking. Mm. I'm, I'm looking at it as well, and. There's an episode where Sabrina makes flan that's like the size of the gymnasium. It's like a huge flan. But then there's also a picture of Salem the cat. <laughs> and he's wearing a stupid he's wearing stupid clothes and he's saying, "I'm wearing pantaloons." And it's reminding me that Salem the cat might be my favorite comedian actually. I, I, I love such a good character. What a, yeah. what a home run of a character. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, Chandler writes in, says, in honor of Halloween, do any of you have any lighthearted childhood trauma? My, oh, God. My okay. grandma? I think I was the only one that liked this one. You did. I'm so I curious. I appreciate that they had to add lighthearted in they, front of it. Very specific, but they just, they're setting the mood here, Sarah, by saying, my grandma would always decorate for Halloween, and some of those decorations scared the crap out of me. That's a good, innocent thing, Yeah. That's one thing I don't get is like, why are we so nonchalant about throwing plastic decapitated heads and yes. like missing limbs in our yards? Like I've been walking around my neighborhood with poggers. I'm like, why are we so chill about like <laughs> literal death? 
you know like <laughs> i i like when i think of halloween i think of like pumpkins and like black cats and like witches and other people are like here's a gourd body with the intestines are just all over the place and like an axe is coming out of its head and they add a roundabout to it <laughs> in a roundabout <laughs> it is weird i'm with you like i i don't like gore but I do like scary Halloween decorations. But even now, like walking around the neighborhood with my kid, I'm like, well, I'm glad he doesn't realize that these are a bunch of giant skeletons crawling out of the ground yet. But right? I think it's cool just for like, you know, one season for we just kind of push <laughs> death onto every it's street. Just yeah, it's just look, bizarre. look at that skeleton. That's what's inside you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeff, is your kid freaked out by that stuff? Uh, no, but we I, we haven't seen any dismembered bodies yet. Mm. Um there was a giant blow up cat that its head would move back and forth. And I, I took him over to see that. And he, he was pretty unimpressed by it, honestly. <laughs> Damn it. Kids these yeah. days. Yuck. They have all the horrors mess. on the internet. Yeah. Uh, I saw a like 12, 15 foot tall skeleton recently. One of the Home Depot ones? No other decorations, just a giant skeleton leaning against their house. It was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. It was pretty sweet. I, I do love walking around this time of year and seeing people's decorations. Yeah. Uh, I grew up uh, in a very scary place <laughs> in the woods. Uh, my old family's home, you know. Um, and so they, we would have like Halloween get-togethers. But my dad built like this cabin in the middle of the woods, which is also terrifying. Having to sleep there as a kid, it was the most traumatizing thing in the world. Like this is the scariest building I could imagine out in the middle of the woods, <laughs> and I hate it. Anyway, so they used to have Halloween parties up there, and so I'd be like a kid. And it would just be terrifying because it would be like turning your backyard into just a nightmare freak show. And what they would do is they'd put up like black rope along this narrow path to the cabin. So as you're walking up at pitch black, you suddenly be like caught in this giant web from hell. And then also they had a boom box with like a cassette that would just play scary noises. And they'd put that out in the middle of the woods. So just be like people screaming in the woods and stuff as you're caught in That's this terrifying. nightmare web. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know. I'm <laughs> traumatized, so but just it. lightly, just lightly Chandler. Oh. Uh, it's okay, Leo. It's okay. Uh, Zeth writes in, they say, uh, Zeth Hillman Johnson here. What Patreons do y'all support yourselves? Sarah? Uh, I got this uh, sweater from a Patreon. Wait, really? I subscribed to the, yeah, Mayoko Patreon. She's an artist. You've probably seen her work before. Um, all over Twitter and stuff. Very popular. And she was like, hey, if you subscribe to my Patreon, you can get, pre-order this sweater for cheaper. And I said, sold. Sweet. An absolute deal. Nice. Hey, sweaters are changing things. I take back everything I said about Jackbox, apparently. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I, like, rotate through some, but the consistents are, like, Easy Allies, Blank Check, uh, and then, it's not really Patreon, but, like, Empire Magazine. They have, like, a bonus podcast feed that I pay for for their spoiler discussions and stuff. But those those are kind of the big three, I guess, that are consistent for me. Uh, for me, going down the list here, it's Jacob Geller. Of course. Uh, Beanie Tuesday. Ro Ramden. Uh, Kyle Bossman, which I added to watch the extended uh, interview with you. Oh, did you? How was that? It was really good. Oh, it fun. was worth it. And the post-show assessments are cool. And I've been watching a lot more delayed input, so I've been letting it ride. Oh, nice. Uh, and the flagrant ones, which is the Hollywood Handbook Patreon. That's a podcast I've gotten absurdly into in the last two months. And I'm like going back through their video catalog and doing that through the Patreon. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, on my friends uh nintendo main podcast is like the name of their show they've been doing it like forever so i'm like on that one uh my friend eddie who 
came over to ruin Mario Wonder on his Patreon as well. Um, and then similar to uh, Sarah, I don't remember the name of the artist, unfortunately, but I have joined Patreons for artists before just to get like some of their perks. Like I had one where they were doing like monthly wallpapers, even though it was, wasn't really monthly, but like, like, like a lot of Patreons, it's like, I just like your work and like maybe I do get a thing, but like, yeah, I'm kind of just there for the vibes. So I joined because I'm like, oh, yeah, these are really cool wallpapers and I want to be able to like support this artist. So, um, yeah, I find artists have like really cool little either freebies or like I like their extra like or the stores open early or whatever. I, I think those are like pretty fun. So that's usually usually I'm rotating through an artist and then whatever my friends are doing, I try to be on their Patreon, too. Yeah. Uh, Mine are basically all like video game history stuff uh, and Jana Garcia. Hey, look uh, at that. Yay. Come on. Cool but I, yeah, there's, um, let's see. I mean, obviously the Video Game History Foundation, uh, Gaming Alexandria, Hit Save, Shmuplations, They Create Worlds, um, Patreon. Like, it, you got to watch it. It gets expensive really fast. If you're like throwing $5 to, to eight different people, you're like, oh. Oh, that's like a whole bill every month. But yeah, yeah people it. go in and out of mine all the time for sure. It's like a, a total budget I want to be at, and but also supporting people I like and getting cool stuff I like once in a while. There it is. Travis and Fargo says, "Hey, I'm DMing a spooky Halloween D and D mini campaign uh, for one of the battle encounters. I can't decide, Sarah." Uh, you're up, you're up to bat here, D&D expert. For one of the battle encounters, I can't decide among a gremlin obsessed with biting off fingers, a rotting dragon corpse controlled by a parasite, or a poop mephit. Is this a word from D&D? I've heard mephit before. P-H-I-T? Yeah. That's a thing? Uh, okay, so between those three, which way should they go? That's a really tough choice. It's tough. I really like the finger biting gremlin because I just feel like the combat would be really funny if he's just like trying to get your fingies the entire time. Right, right. Um, the parasite dragon would be funny because if you kill the dragon and then the parasite comes out, I would poop my pants. If yeah. all of a sudden they were like, you killed the dragon, but what's this? But would you need to poop your pants if you have a poop method sitting method? there as well? That's the one yeah, that I'm like the dragon. least sold on because I don't know how that one would work personally. Yeah. I feel like the other two have good angles. I do. I like the fingers thing too because like, do you think it would work out well if someone just had like, I don't know, armored gloves? What are those called? Greaves? What are those? Oh, you kind of grab it like a catfish? Gaunt- gauntlets? Yeah, gauntlets. Yeah. Like you if you happen to have gauntlets. You catfish it, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's just I, more fun. I, it would also is great for people to canonically lose fingers too. And they have to play mm. around that. that is right, true. right. How's your D and D going, Leo? Oh, it's on pause right now. Oh, <laughs> our DM was a first time DM, and they were like, "I'm getting really overwhelmed." Uh, it is. It's tough. I would very never understandable. Do it. Yeah, I mean, it has to be so many people's first sessions is trying to be a DM and then just being terrified and realizing like how much time it actually takes to, to make it good and getting scared away. Like I don't, how do you, how do you account for that? That's really tricky. Is there yeah. such a thing as like a paid DM? Like can someone's job just be being yeah, a you really can. good DM for like a bunch of campaigns? I feel like a lot of like th- small gaming stores will host. They'll have like DMS that you can like basically go with your family and do like a one-off. Or you can, like, purchase, like, a campaign, and then you just go to, like, the game store, and the DM will DM for, like, three sessions, four sessions, like, however mm. many you want. That's cool. That feels like the way to go. Like, just make it someone's job so that it actually happens, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Zachary Sweet wrote in Funky Thing. They say, since everyone keeps talking about how great um, October 20th was with both Spider-Man 2 and Mario Brothers releasing, um, check out how absurd this stretch of games was in November of 2011. Ready? November 1st in 2011 was Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. Then November 8th was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Fine choices. Then November 11th was Skyrim. November 11th was also Lego Harry Potter years 5 through 7. Then November 13th was Mario 3D Land. Mario 15th... Uh, Mario 15th. November 15th was Assassin's Creed Revelations. Also uh, the Halo 1 remake. Also Rayman Origins. Also Saints Row the Third. Also Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. And then on the 18th, Minecraft released. And then on the 20th, Skyward Sword released. That was all just in a couple weeks in 2011 for November. Wow. Good times. So, yeah, it's not the best year for gaming after all. Uh, Especially with hindsight, you know, it must have felt like a lot at the time, not realizing how many of those games would become nothing, would would not matter. Are you saying Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 wasn't an industry game changer? <laughs> I... And look, oh, right. No, I think I'm getting that mixed up with a different one. I say. <laughs> Modern Warfare 3 is such a game changer. They're remaking it. And it's coming out again this year. So you stand corrected. Uh, Sly Cut writes in, have you ever fired a real gun before? No. No. Once. Once, Kelsey? Yeah, I lived in Texas for 11 years. It was one of those things where it's like, I don't even, my family decided we like had to do this once. And then most of us left Texas. But, uh, yeah, I, I did it once, and I was like, yep, don't like guns. That's, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> it. We're like, I grew up, and we had, like, a 22 for, like, shooting raccoons, breaking into the chicken coop, yada, yada, yada. But it was always like, I, it really freaked me out. I never liked it. I never wanted to be around it in any way. And then um, for Dan Reichert's bachelor party in Vegas, uh, it was like somebody booked it so that, we went and like shot like automatic weapons at like a range and stuff. And I was really dreading it. I was like, God, I just guns freak me out. I've never liked him growing up and stuff. Uh, and then that was a shocking amount of fun, like shooting the targets with like ridiculous weapons and like having a little handgun and stuff. I was like, okay, I, there is a sick thrill here that I, I get, uh, I get in a different way now compared to just back on the farm type of stuff. Especially shooting at Dan. That must've been really cathartic. It was <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> but he dodged us and he got married. Congrats to Dan. Pass the test. Jeff, I'm you a gun boy. Uh, no, I'm not a gun boy, oh. but I've shot shotguns, um, on like, hunting trips when i was younger yeah when never last... really hit much with them but it's okay they're they're okay to shoot when's the last time you shot a shotgun 15 years ago so your dad was a vet who also went on a lot of hunting trips yeah that's right I, i'm saying he'd shoot him and then he'd fix them up that's an interesting <laughs> guy i like it uh no yeah he 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 grew up um, hunting, which was weird because my grandpa was never into it, but it, it was just a hobby that he kind of, I guess my grandpa liked fishing. So they did a lot of fishing and then he kind of got into duck hunting and did it very responsibly. And we would always have duck to eat and that kind of thing. Nice. But and you spit not out the... like a, I'd spit out the what? <laughs> I wanted to say buckshot. What, what do you call it? Shotgun blast. Uh, yeah, you 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 have to make sure that you're when you prepare it that you're taking out the pellets. Rock salt just seasons it though. 
Great point. That is Great true. point, Leo. Great point. And if you use <laughs> if you freeze ice and shoot them, then you then they can never tell uh, what killed them. <laughs> that diabolical, which is important. <laughs> this is a bummer of a conversation. Yeah. Hey, Graham Jones writes in. They say, hey, with the anniversary of MinMax here and all, uh, I'm thinking ahead about plans for the fifth year celebration. I'm wondering if the crew has discussed doing a two tens of the first five years of MinMax. Oh, I'd love to man. see how some of the games from the past years stacked up against each other, especially where Baldur's Gate 3 would go. Uh, still at the top. Still at the top. Um, that would be intense. That would be I'd tough. It does kind of seem fun, though. Like, not next fall or winter, but then, like, maybe if we have a lull in the release schedule after that, just to stack up the first five years against each other. Oh, God, that'd be weird. Um Aging Poorly writes in and says, Hello, Kelsey, Sarah, and the rest of y'all. Question largely for Kelsey and Sarah. This was so oddly specific. They say, Both of you first came on MinMax for the Animal Crossing Deepest Dive. Is that right? That was the first thing for mm-hmm. both of you? Yep. I, huh. Uh, when pitching Sarah and Kelsey to the MinMax community during the MinFax episode, which was the precursor to Party Chat, in early March of 2020, Ben had this to say about Sarah. She is nutso about Animal Crossing. You could not have a more informed person. And then about Kelsey, he said, when it comes to history, like, she might be the smartest person I've ever met when it comes to video games. Like, she'd be the greatest back-of-the-box player in the universe. And about both of you, this is the part I get nervous about. They don't know each other. So, like, how do you introduce these people? How do you get the energy up for these people that don't know each other? So my question to Kelsey and Sarah, what do you remember about that first appearance on MinMax? Enjoyable or stressful? I feel like it was enjoyable. I feel like Kelsey and I have a lot in common, and I feel like we clicked really pretty immediately. Although, like, when I found out that, like, Kelsey was going to be on, because Kelsey knows more about Animal Crossing than I even do. So she's she's the one that knows more, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to be on with, with Kelsey, like... With the person who literally runs, like, video game history and, like, has a video game story. And, like, is, I don't know if I knew you were writing a book about Animal Crossing then, but I was like, what the heck? Am I being set up? Yeah, I was ready to just, like, fact check you across. <laughs> On every whole, single like, Animal Crossing game. I was game. ready to take Actually. you down. No, I, I, yeah, I also just remember, like, hitting it off really quickly and being like, oh, this is a really cool group. I like all these people. This is great. I don't know. Nothing bad to say. I was mm-hmm. a little nervous because um, I sort of infamously didn't like uh, New Horizons that much. And I was very nervous to start expressing that opinion to the world, thinking I'd get eaten alive. And maybe I was, but I don't know. I think you guys all took it fine. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think you're It fine. deserved this criticism. Yeah, it's the Animal Crossing crowd. I'd like to see it beat somebody alive. Uh, Philly Eatstack writes in, Hey, MinMax, um, which are cuter? Regular pandas or red pandas? Red pandas. Is that even a competition? Yeah, I think regular pandas. I think we all just think red pandas are cuter because they feel newer. No, red culturally. pandas are cuter. There's a red panda. Regular pandas can't pandas. even survive. Well, are red pandas prolific in procreating? Yes. More really? so than normal pandas. Well, anything yeah. more so than a regular panda. I, I think you're I'll forgetting think how panda. cute. I, I feel th- like a red panda, I, a lot of things look like a red panda. Oh, like God, this is what destroys like, Min-Max. I feel like a panda... I guess pandas kind of remind me of Snorlax in a sense. So I'm it's like They're kind of big and yeah. they have, like, I don't know. Like a red panda, it's like, you could be a raccoon if I took my glasses off. Yes, like, Janet, I am totally with you. Yeah, the panda, it, like, and looking at a panda's <laughs> eyes, like the or shape of their eyes, they kind of have, like, 
Eeyore sad patterns in their eyes. Like there's more heart in a panda. Heart and soul and sexual I'm inactivity. Sorry. I think I just factually know too much about pandas. They literally roll over their kids and kill them frequently. Oh, who yeah, doesn't? Really I mean, a lot of people have made that mistake. <laughs> I'm sure red pandas eat <laughs> Who of us hasn't rolled over a child? <laughs> Red pandas, I mean, they're cool looking. There's no doubt. But yeah, they, they seem more just kind of like a rat that's going to bite you. Whereas a panda bear, you just want to go pet, you know? Also, like, they have, yeah, like, this kind of emo eye makeup Have you seen, like, the red panda, the like, stand pandas? up, though? Have you seen them, like, get up on their hind legs and, I'm, like... I'm looking at that right now, and it's adorable. Oh, that yeah. A panda really couldn't even do it's that because it's too fat and useless. You're saying that if I Google panda standing up... By the way, red I guess panda I, standing. Just, just red panda. Well, I'm Googling both standing up. have you seen up. a Gretzko? Can regular yeah, pandas true. do that? Mm-hmm. Do, do a what? Karaoke. A metal, metal karaoke. Oh. Met, no. Sing, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you, I got you. It took me a second. It took me a second. I, I think all these pandas standing up are cute, Sarah. I don't think you should besmirch the good name of a good, regular, old-fashioned American panda. No. I I don't don't pandas just look like pandas. bears, though? A cute I will besmirch them. If you oh, they're like me. bears, but they're tuxedo-y bears. And they got the black, and they got the white, they got, you know... No, of, so red pandas sick. can't just be like red raccoons? Somehow that's too much? Yeah, they're gross. They're gross. Pa- pandas <laughs> pandas are ass. Red pandas are a lot better. <laughs> they, <laughs> Thank you, Leo. They, they remind me of cats, which I'm biased towards. Mm. They're like little cats that climb around in trees in nature. Yeah, I see how it goes. All right, we'll have a Twitter poll to all this once and for all. Yeah, I definitely think the red pandas are, are gonna win. I think they've... They're the more popular choice, but I'm sticking with regular. regular, there we regular. Go. Did you know that pandas it, have to eat so much bamboo? They all they do is eat bamboo all day, and they only have the energy to like eat bamboo and then like roll over on their children. Well, but they're rolling they're, they're technically the, okay. marsupials who don't have pouches because they're that dumb. Their only Look. form of recreation is rolling over their children. You're, and yeah, you're, <laughs> you're gonna really hang up on the children specifically, okay? But like, when their babies sneeze and it surprises the panda, that's hilarious. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, look, red pandas, they eat a bunch of insects and birds. Uh, that's that's. Trash. At least they move. At least they can physically move. But it's like, like if at you least they don't them. need help to that's kind of, that's fornicate. Kind of nice, you don't it's have like to, like, all... lift them up. <laughs> all right, look. This is like which ones you want to help reproduce more. It's which one, like, is better to look at or, like, you like right, looking right, at right. more. Yeah, red pandas. Yeah, when but... you're helping them reproduce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to look at them when I'm helping them reproduce. Uh, B-Bat, and I apologize for the self-serving question. B-Bat writes in to say, you all were just on IGN Daily Fix for the interview MinMax did with Bruce Nesmith from Bethesda. I love the interview because it felt like a window into the game development world for those of us who have no experience in it. No question. Just wanted to say thanks and keep the interviews coming. Thank you, B-Bat. Uh, yeah, we had an interview. Do you want to pat yourself on the bat for that, Ben? <laughs> Did you want you all? It was just you? Would you want to give well, yourself some pats? I either talk that. about this interview in the <laughs> plug section or I let B-Bat talk about it for me. So I figured this is a maybe more uh, natural Someone way. asked a question and they said, uh, I think Ben is really awesome and cool and gives the best interviews. Wow, what a, thank that. you so much for writing in. <laughs> Sarah, do you want to hear the most most blowhardy thing I've ever thought in my life or like the most what? obnoxious thing. Was it what you just did? <laughs> B-Bat wrote in! I talked about it here uh, in the book. I was, yeah, B-Bat. I've never met this oh, B-Bat. The, what does the B stand for? That's ben. I will say, the funny thing too is like, these are never in the thumbs up questions either, so we never no. know. Yeah, I didn't even see this question. Well, you gotta be surprised by some things in community okay, questions. Okay, so everybody. what's the self-serving thing? Because I want to know. Yeah, this will go well. I'm moving on to Victor Garcia. <laughs> no, come on. No, what, what's come the on. Thing? Come on. I'm let's hear, let's hear. not be going to say it because I'm going to oh, get man. lit no. on the oh, God. 
<laughs> this is worse. Right. Yeah, it is worse. Everybody, uh, grovel to Ben. Say you're sorry. <laughs> okay, I hate all those. I hate this. I hate this. Sorry. No, guys, Dad's mad. Genuinely, I was th- so I was. I, I'm proud of that Bethesda interview. It's with a Bethesda old timer. He was there since 1995, and he he retired, so he is up for talking type of thing. So it was just like that perfect mm-hmm. sniper shot of like this is the type of interview I want more at MinMax. And so it was really interesting hearing his insight. He was a lead designer on Skyrim and talking about Starfield and a, and a bunch of wild stuff. Um, but uh, the obnoxious thought that I had recently is like it was like a couple weeks ago. I was saying we're like, what goals do I have for myself professionally? It's like okay, grow MinMax, got it. But it's like, is there something more tangible? <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate saying this. I, I, I had a thought. Bro. Sell Min Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, no, but I was thinking for goals. Like, I would. It'd be cool to be like, not an official thing, but like, if you think of like the best interviewer in the games industry, it's like it'd be cool to lock down that slot for like an entire medium. And it's like every once in a while you'd see comments like, "Oh, Ben's a pretty good interviewer for game developers." It's like, who, I, maybe, no, maybe I could be known. The puzzle falls into place. No, I feel yeah. you. I feel no, it's you. like it'd be nice to be known. It's like, it's just, if there's a go-to interviewer instead of like you know. James Lipton for like you want to be like the actors. Jason Schreier of interviewing specifically like how Jason has that for journal I feel like sure I guess so journalism. yeah that's what I was thinking of and then the obnoxious not that part, interviewing is in journalism but you, you get what I, I don't mean. know what it is you get what I mean. yeah, sure yeah. Uh, but no then there was like a recetera thread about this interview and there was like one of the early comments it was like Ben is the best interviewer in the games industry and it was like, like okay I got it for one person okay, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on yeah, though yeah. I, got, I got you Ben I got it was you, from B-Bat I vibe with the vision all you really have to do all you really have to do if you want this is to start adding it to like your kind of tagline. Like this is what I've learned, like being in this media. All you have right. to do is say a thing, and then it's true. Like, Andrew Renee, yeah. busiest woman in the games industry. Like boom, that's her thing. That's her thing. Like is it true? We could debate it, but it's her thing. Sure. Uh, Jill Jill Grote, Indian former. She is the Indian former because she's the Indian former. Like, right, right, right. You right. know what I mean? Like mm. Tim Gettys, thirty. You know, like okay, you can just just add like add it in. The branding will catch on, and it'll be like, oh yeah, Ben Hansen, best interviewer in the game. Yeah. Like, Janet, or, or Janet, if you don't want to title yourself best, go nosiest. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest mm. weirdo who asks too many questions. Janet, this is why I appreciate your hustle. Do you you feel like you'd be capable of doing that type of thing? Of like, all right, I've come up with a branding for myself, and I'm, I'm just going to be comfortable laying it out there for the sake of a career. I mean, I could if I like wanted to. I don't feel the, the desire to have a thing. Like, I don't. I, I think I do so many things that I don't think I really want to be seen as any specific thing. Yeah. Sometimes I do the joke either for myself or for shows I on, like your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, because it's funny, but that I don't have like a brand right now. Right. But, okay. You know, I'm, what, I'm, barely, you... I'm, I'm barely getting going. Well, we got time to grow. Sure, sure. Would you instead write your own fictional letters saying <laughs> that you're the best about something? Else? <laughs> God damn it. Hey, whatever puts asses in the seats, you know what I mean? Like the game is the game. That's right. right. I, I did yeah. want to ask about that interview, though. Do you feel like it's just the the names you get or just random which ones get picked up and posted everywhere like this? Or do you think there is like a growing sense of let's keep an eye on MinMax. Their interviews usually have juicy. I hope so. And I think it's also like, you know, we share a lot of clips and stuff. The clips Um, help, I think. Yeah, I think the clips help for like certain people retweeting those and sharing those. And so I think there's some like, you know, news Twitter people that they'll retweet some of like the juicier clips and then that gets it into the eyeballs of press people and then it gets picked up. Because yeah, like the nice thing is, yeah, this interview was picked up, like multiple different parts of this interview was picked up by like every gaming site. And this isn't me complaining. I get it. It's just... I think it's fascinating to see that, like, we lucked out, hit the jackpot interview-wise, and that interview was picked up six ways a Sunday, every single site, yada, yada, yada. 
And uh, according to YouTube, that interview has made us $22.75, which is why we're very thankful hey, for Patreon treat for supporting this. Treat sweet treat, Ben. <laughs> hey, thanks, yeah. Sarah. Don't spend all the place. Thank God you're in the Midwest. But um, here's a, a one last question. Do you know when something will, like, pop or be a breakout, like, in terms of, like, a question? Because, like, one time I've, like, like do, I don't do a lot of interviews, but, like, one time I wrote something and I'm, like, if people see this, they're going to run with it because it's, like, interesting. Sure. Like, do you kind of know, like, in the moment, like, this is what's going to be, like, broken out? Or were you kind of surprised by, like, what people pulled really from Yeah, it, it is fun to see because sometimes it, like, reframes things. It's like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like, you know, there was a quote where he talked about how, Elder Scrolls 6, like it was announced so early because the community had pitchforks and torches, yada, yada, yada. But he's like, yeah, you won't hear about it again until six months until release. And like there was an article early on, like at IGN that was like, that was the headline. I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think of that for a pullout. Or, you know, it was pretty early on. Like I had as like a Twitter clip, but then, you know, he talked about the progression system in the Elder, Elder Scrolls 6 and how it's just going to be an evolution of Skyrim's, you know, um, and talking about what's going to be there for sure and what's not and all that stuff. And I saw like another site immediately picked up like progression in Elder Scrolls 6. I was like, oh, of course, I should have made a pull out of that on YouTube. Like, I don't know why I'm so stupid. The chunk of him talking about Elder Scrolls 6 probably was a safe bet. So yeah, it is fun to, to be surprised by that. But like, yeah, that interview came about because like I heard Todd Howard in another interview reference the sci-fi game 10th Planet that Bethesda made, tried making years and years ago that was canceled or whatever. And so that was the entire thing. I was like, oh, if I could get an interview where someone's talking about that, I feel like people would pick up on that. And so that was the whole crux for reaching out to this guy. And then, and then I feel like there was one site that maybe wrote up, wrote up that whole part about 10th Planet and how was like Bethesda's game that was written by the writer of Independence Day, which is weird. Um, but it's like, yeah, that turn, turns out that wasn't the start of the show compared to everything else. But Sarah, enough of this self-aggrandizing nonsense. No, no, I need nonsense. to know if you have a list of, like, the oldest people in the gaming industry that you think are going to retire <laughs> just, like, with, like, the age clock going up, like, yes. and you just check in on them, like, once they hit 65, you're like, are you done yet? Yes. Are you, are you done, done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Um, that's what I assume. You just have, like, a hit list of people. Yeah. I do, absolutely. I checked LinkedIn a lot for, like, is this person still at that studio? Okay, they are, so, okay, probably aren't all Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) The Uma Thurman of games media. (laughs) Why does that catch on? Uh, Victor Garcia (laughs) writes in. They say, hey, everyone, two-part question. If there was a MinMax restaurant and each of you had a meal slash dish named after you, what would come with yours? It can be any type of food. All right, MinMax restaurant. Pitch it fast. What's your dish? (laughs) Maybe I'd have mac and cheese in there. I don't know. Mac and cheese, sure. I don't know if I want to make like... If I'm making a cohesive meal, I guess I'd have to probably go like burger, uh, maybe like some type of spicy fry. Like I really like those Shake Shack fries with a little spicy, spicy like, fries. flakes on it. All yeah. right, that's good. And then like definitely a beer. Like I really like beer, so I think that'd be in there. Like, so that's kind of what I'm leaning on. And I really okay. like mac and cheese, but you can't really put that on the side of a burger. You could like do a weird infusion thing, but that's like, that gets kind of messy. It's hard to pull off. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like the ketchup guy, so I'd do like a yeah. bowl of ketchup with yeah. twenty French fry spoons. That's how that's how oh, I get my spoons. Oh, that's good. That's good. Spoons they specifically designed to yeah spoon fries to eat yeah. mm. the spoon than the handle. Perfect. So I'd probably be pizza. Oh. <laughs> you don't need to be defeated with that, Jeff. Um, you can hold your it's head up high. That's good. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm I'm happy to be a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> And then you can put Leo Vader's ketchup on Jeffum's pizza, and it's the okay. perfect meal. Uh, no. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, what do y'all like for a question of the week? 
Uh, obviously, the Panda Showdown. Um, the Panda was pretty big. <laughs> I like the one about Patreon. Which one? Which Patreons we support? Halloween yeah. candy. The trauma was cool. Trauma's cool. Trauma's cool. There's no doubt. Um, what do y'all like? I, think I feel like I learned the most from pandas. I did yeah. too. Can we take a vote though? I feel I'm resolved on that. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. On the so, red pandas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Hands up if it's regular pandas are cuter. Let the record show. I always, Janet whenever I and agree I, with Ben, like you ever just get that singing yeah, feeling you back? Like, you I, I, wow. for standing you up for a panda me? being cute. It's like when it's just <laughs> us two. If, if it's if it's you, me, and someone else, all good. When it's just you and me, don't you ever feel like we have the same affliction? Like I just get that. Effect, I'm just saying. You, know you look I mean? at box like, office results for Kung Fu Panda versus Pixar's Reds. Uh, need we say more? Pixar Red. She's a red panda. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's called. I, okay. what, oh, that's my Panda. point. Yeah. yeah, I bet Kung Fu Panda made more. That was my was my point. But I'm gonna have a heart attack from Sarah screaming. So much. I thought you were like, trying to <laughs> allude that the, the old Pixar Red was a panda. <laughs> yes, Kelsey. Of course. I mean, we all agree Red was a much better movie than Kung Fu Panda. Remember but... when WWF had to become WWE or vice versa because of the pandas? Like right. that was a core moment mm-hmm. in all of our lives. True. That's why they're better because they made the name of the wrestling guys better. Exactly. I think I just have a lot of like bitter feelings. Towards Towards pandas because when I was younger I really liked pandas and I like wanted to save them that was like mm-hmm. my thing was I was going to go to China and I was going to save the pandas True. and then I grew up and I realized they just weren't f***ing <laughs> and like I felt so betrayed like these are useless animals guess what they do yeah alright congratulations Philly Eat Steak you just won the panda prize for my mate bit congratulations uh, and I'm assuming we all were gonna go red panda was anybody gonna abstain yeah was it 4-2 oh is it hang on yeah okay red yeah. panda people raise your hand yeah. Hang on, let the record show no one's raising their hand for audio listeners. It seems like oh, everyone's turned their back on the red panda. They've rolled on their young. Uh, now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. All right. Hey, Get a Load of This. Uh, Axios has an article, um, which is just a poll, apparently, from Emerson College. Um, but it's, do you consider yourself to live in the Midwest? And then it's percentage of people in states that consider themselves living in the Midwest. So Mm. Minnesota is 96.5% consider themselves living in the Midwest. Apparently Iowa is the highest at 96.7. But the part that gets confusing, Idaho, 25.2% of people in Idaho consider themselves living in the Midwest, which is confusing. This Tennessee, 9.7 people. It's like, that's odd. Tennessee and Idaho. What is going on? Pennsylvania, 9.4% of people, apparently. What, what is Idaho in terms of, like, what would you call it? That's, yeah. that's a West. That's a West as what? it comes. Really? Idaho, you don't consider the West? It's as not, West as it Let me, let me pull up a map. Give me a second. I can't think of a more answer. Western state than Idaho. <laughs> I'm going off the Louisiana Purchase. I don't know what you guys are going off of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look, there's a link below if you want to check out this I'm more up. surprised by 3% of oh, Minnesotans yeah, I mean, I guess saying it, no. What I guess it is they are. worse than I thought that's, it was. That's more worse it feels than, like Midwest, than all, any of us were thinking. Yeah. yeah they, I, the, I've heard some people say, like, rather than Midwest, they say, like, Rust Belt. And, like, they consider that something different. And I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's well, what that 3% That's more is, Southern. People at. also refer mm-hmm. to, like, Minnesota as, like, a Great Lake state, which is what I prefer to refer to it as, is, like, yeah. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. All of those states are all Great Lake states. Mm. Because it's, like, 
I don't know if I feel necessarily kinship with my brethren in like Indiana, you know? Yep, yep. I, I like the North thing. I feel like it started Indiana with... getting thrown under the bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I feel like with Game of Thrones, maybe talking about the North became cooler again. Cause I feel like it's the last, like within the last 10 years, I feel like some people saying, we're not Midwest, we're the North. And it's like, yeah. And like when better. the water wars what is started, the North we are going to have a lot of power. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when the water wars start and California start clamoring yeah. and Texans start clamoring to our great state. You need us. Anyways, that's just King one of the North is what you will call us. <laughs> get a load of this. Um, on TikTok, this is from the user Detroit Villain. Uh, they clipped out um, a clip from Spider-Man 2, and the cat, the text they put was, bro, these NPCs aren't NPCs. And it's just a conversation between two NPCs that's, like, a really genuine, long, detailed conversation about, like, one of them is working as, like, a babysitter, and the other one's like, man, like, I, I got the job. I don't really have the background. They're like, no one has the background. Unless you had, like, a bunch of siblings, you know, growing up. Like, you're not going to have... And they go on for, like a really long time and I just think it's a fun little like positive nod to the writing that goes into the game especially like the more for lack of a better term throwaway stuff that you might not really like think about or like maybe no one will really notice so like having someone really soak in that moment and appreciate it and having it like be good was I don't know it's kind of cool so yeah. that's my get a load of this love it it's just so funny that they're standing there with, like, their baby bassinets and, like, Spider-Man is, like, right next to them. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I just don't know how to, like, not kill this baby. And I'm like, Spider-Man is right there. <laughs> like, he, what do you, he's right there. Uh, get a load of this. This is a video from Benatory4 on YouTube, and it's called Band Stopping Shows to Help Fans in Incomplete History. Um, and it's just 20 minutes of clips of... Just that, like whether it's fights or people, you know, getting crushed in mosh pits or whatever, but it's just a ton of different examples of, you know, band members stopping their music and like yelling at security and things to um, kind of address whatever the situation is. And and he has a lot of detailed notes about um, the incident and what happened afterwards and whatnot. And the, one of the highlights is Billy Joel was doing a series of uh, concerts in Russia and and during the show, they would sh they would shine the spotlight onto the onto audience members. But he realized as they were doing it uh, over the course of the nights that there were a lot of plain clothes like Russian officers in in the audience that would use that to target those people and kick them out for like having too much fun or breaking Soviet laws or whatever. And so during the performance, he starts screaming like. Don't sh don't shine the spotlight on the audience and and gets progressively more mad until he just like knocks over his piano and like just starts trashing the stage and and they have a whole clip of him doing an interview afterwards and it was just a very uh, a, a very funny moment in in an otherwise like very strangely affecting video to like see all of these bands really really care about safety in a, in a way that uh, you might not expect yeah that's cool uh, links below for all these fun things. Uh, get a load of this. This is kind of old news, but I don't know exactly when uh, when it actually wrapped up, um, it, which I assume was kind of recently. But there is like a Hatsune Miku uh, Pokemon collaboration. Damn it, Kelsey, that was literally mine. <laughs> I'm so yes. <laughs> now we won't get to talk about it. I'm so sorry. Um, it's adorable. All of the like. There's a different design for all of the different Pokemon types um, and a bunch of like new songs and everything. And they're just they're so good. They're all they're all so good. And uh, I want 
I don't know. I want there to be more than just pictures of these, like, Hatsune Miku as uh, different Pokemon trainers. Like, they should make figures or something. I don't know. They're yeah. really good. I just can't believe they're going to make 18 songs because they made 18 Hatsune Miku Pokemon trainers, one for each type. And then they're going to make 18 songs, and four of them are already out. And they've been coming out since the beginning of September to, like, October. And it's, like, 18, and they're all Pokemon-related. So if you listen to any of these Hatsune Miku songs, they all have, like, like they all have, like, little Pokemon like riffs it. in them. And there's this one song by, like, Deco27 that, like, references all of Pikachu's moves called, like, Volt Tackle. And, like, the entire song is just, like, sprinkled with, like, different Pokemon moves in a way to, like, make it make sense. Anyways, it's a very cool project um, between the Pokemon company and Hatsune Miku. That's cool. Hail Whip is actually useful. Uh, Mike, get a load of this. My dear friend Blake Hester provided some supplemental reading for my Tony Hawk talk. He did Uh a comprehensive oral history on Thug One, Tony Hawk's Underground, from busted teeth to broken TVs, the oral history of Tony Hawk's Underground. And I reread it this morning. It's fantastic. And there's lots of fun little tidbits and a good taste of what it was like to work on those games in their heyday. They talk about being like Neversoft under Activision at a time they were making a full third of Activision's money. So they were like so let loose and using that to come up with new ideas. Like they could have been way more repetitive than they were. Remember those games coming out every year and remarkably having new stuff in them. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Hey, Sarah, I could supply you one since Kelsey stole it from you. No, I'm still claiming that one. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, Jan, or, or Kelsey, I could supply you one since Sarah claims that other one. We can uh, share uh, it. Us. No, uh, no. But the <laughs> point is, I wanted to throw a plug out for uh, Jenna Stebert. She has a new podcast. I'm going to to plug uh, called Big Game Hunger. Jenna Stebert, who has uh, helped us out in a, in a big way during paternity leave and all that stuff, and has popped up since then. But Big Game Hunger is her new podcast where they pitch a game and design it. And Janet, you're on the first episode, right? Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. Um, it is like. She rolls like for the um the keywords. It's basically you get like I think a genre and then just like a general like keyword or something. And then you also get to add to that word list as a guest. So like I tossed in something as well. Um yeah, it was really fun, you know, dug into just conceiving of what something could be. It's kind of like all the fun of to me the favorite thing is like planning stuff out, like actually doing the work. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna get to that, but like talking about it and like laying it all out there is the best part and that's basically just what the show is that's sweet uh did you pull one from the community jeff absolutely get a little of this this one is from mogs um and it's uh a a new a new game boy color game called fraser fantasy which mixes final fantasy and fraser uh where he plays fraser and apparently he's trying to um have a dinner party by himself it sounds like because he has some silverware that he's really into and he has to clear out (laughs) the apartment and do lots of Frasier things with a lot of, uh, you know, Frasier memes in there. Yeah. So nice. speaking of Frasier you can, memes, you can, you can play it right on, uh, itch.io oh, itch.io it, uh, or I guess it works on like the super analog, um, you know, game boy emulators as well. So yeah. And look forward Go to our episode it. of, uh, max spoilers. We're going to be covering all of Frasier's new season on paramount plus, uh, we're all champion at the bit every commercial i see for that i'm just always like what i, I like fraser but this this don't feel right everybody anyways hey that's it for this episode of the min max show podcast everybody a special shout out to everybody in the seattle area who came to the community meetup on sunday petoskey's with kelsey and i um kelsey what do you think yeah, about that awesome. whole thing in retrospect it was, it was great it, honestly it went like 
about as well as I could have imagined. I wasn't 100% sure what to expect, but it was great. Yeah, everybody, I mean, people were driving up from Portland. A couple came up from Salt Lake City. Yeah, the, the turnout was slightly yeah. higher, I think, than like the Minneapolis meetups, which really surprised me. Uh, and, and everyone was so sweet. And everyone just had like a different thing they wanted to talk about. You know, like one guy, he's like, hey, I I made uh, a bunch of really popular games in Dreams. And now I'm taking that idea and making a game that I'm launching separately on Steam. Um, but he's like, but I got my start in all this because I heard you and Jeff from talking about Dreams. Like you didn't know what it was until we talked about it on the podcast. So like, just a bunch of everybody oh. had a, their own little story like that. That was that was really sweet. So thanks, everybody who came out. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon and let us hit our fourth anniversary in general. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're a five dollar supporter, you can find in that podcast feed um, something called the actual meetings that form MinMax, which is an hour and a half of literally the earliest meetings we had about MinMax. We recorded all of them and they're available in that bonus podcast feed if you're a supporter. And if you support us uh, at any tier through November 1st, you automatically get a steam code for oxen free too. So jump in there. It's a great time to jump in and, uh, help support independent games media and help support uh, a game like oxen free too. Thank you to everybody at the game champion tier, Joshua Ayers, the champion of Neo, the world ends with you, Patrick Polk, the champion of super puzzle fighter Two turbo. Thank you, everybody, for jumping into that tier. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Kelsey, everybody. That's it. Big episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for supporting Min Max for four years, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.